Hi, this is Matt Wagner, creator of Grendel and Maze, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. That sounds like a book of the month woohoo to me. Mm. Yes. It That's was a coincidence. Oh, right? It was dense. No, there are no coincidences. Yes. No, there's really not. There's dense. really not. Yes, it was dense, much like our book of the month. <laughs> uh, very. That, if, if I could sum up this book in one word, you just did. Yes, it's super dense. But I. Okay, we won't bury the lead. Let's just roll with it, and we'll talk about it when the time comes. So, how we doing, people? I think we doing. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, it's living. it's been a week. Fucking flown by, sort of, kind of. Um, Isn't it odd that? We have mountains of time on our hands, and you wake up at whatever hour you choose to rise, you know, 8, 9, whatever, and you blink, and it's like seven thirty, eight o'clock at night. I was like, where, where did all the hours go? Well, And more I, importantly, what did I do? Well, <laughs> see, that's, yeah, I, I um, the IT director had scheduled one-on-one time with everybody in, in the department, um, so he's reaching out to all of us to, to see how we're doing. And we, he, he and I had a chat on, on, uh, earlier in the week, but, uh, that, that's similar to what he and I were saying that, uh, it's, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to, I mean, whether it's, it's the Blackstone Fortress, putting the miniatures together, whether it's, it's, um, teaching myself, uh, CSS and, and PHP or, or oh, God bless you. room and um, CSS. So I'm, I'm, I'm at, yeah, I know. I'm actually trying to use this, this, if in quotes, downtime to my, I don't want, at the end of four months, I don't want to sit back at the end of the summer and go, yeah, I just, I sat on the couch and just like, you know, cleared my fucking Netflix queue. I don't, I don't want to do that. So, right. But um, there are, th- you need to, you need to burn need to the the numb and that's, the numbness and, and and the um but as far as waking I, I I still wake up so I can start my shift at eight o'clock I'm still I'll I'll walk around I'll walk around the house for a little while um to take some breaks but you know at least at work I could walk across campus I could go visit other offices um here are the other offices right next door to bother my wife when when she's not in a conference so I mean there's um. I'm still like in, in work. I still get dressed. Like I don't show up to work in, 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 you know, PJs. It, it's, I'm still trying to have some sort of a routine. There's no way uh, that you're putting a tie on at home. I'm not putting a tie on. Okay. I, most of my, most of the shirts I will wear do have collars, but I'll wear, you know, but I, I they're open. Oh, okay. I, Slow down, chief. <laughs> I help you. I'm, dude, no, but seriously, we, we're we're in some of the Zoom meetings, and I'm like, this mother, like, like, what happened to that neck on that T-shirt? I'm like, why are you? Oh, it's, it's like, yeah. I'm like, some people are just like, I'm like, could you not? Yeah, show up I hate relaxed sweatshirt, relaxed T-shirts, uh, necks on T-shirts, freaks me out. But anyway, <laughs> hey everybody, look yes. at this. Look at the clock on the wall. It's eleven o'clock comics, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. You sexy creature, and I am David A. Price. Bah, I say, you are neither of those because I am Sephiroth. <laughs> wow, that was cool. <laughs> he got all in character and stuff. Br- you know, briefly. for a One fleet- of the best video game villains of all time. Uh, okay, yes, I'll give you that. 
Fantasy, yep. uh, Final Fantasy VII, the remake, made its way to my lovely abode uh, last weekend. I was able to play a little bit on uh, Sunday. It is wonderful. Yeah. Well, if it, it is... is... Dude, it's been 20... It's been almost 25 years, man. That's crazy. Well, you know, you could still play the original. Uh, You could, but it's neat to see... As I think we yeah we talked about it on the show. I love this game so much, and I remember it so well, or I thought I did. But seeing it in modern with modern graphics is just right. Oh, it's, it's like yeah. a, it's better than a Angela White double feature, if you know what I'm saying. Wow! I had a chance to get uh, there was a Sephiroth vinyl, and I uh, for whatever reason I didn't buy it. Remorse, instant, almost instant remorse. Uh, but you're not Sephiroth. You're Jason Wood, everybody. And we have gathered here today, episode 669, for the purpose of getting into our book of the month. And that book of the month is The Rise and Fall of the Trigon Empire, volume one, written by Mike Butterworth, illustrated by Don Lawrence, and of course, published by Rebellion. And you know where I got this? Where'd you get it? I got it from Discount Comic Book Service. What the hell you say? It's true. Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com, where you can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door. We are on the precipice, people. It's that time. We're in the gray area. And it's the end of the month. You can, yeah. You can <laughs> still order the stuff. Remember, it's Dark Horse Month, Barbalian, Red Planet, number one, Lady Baltimore, number one, uh, You Look Like Death, Tales from the Umbrella Academy, number one, are all $1.99. You could still get them. But if you wait till the last day of the month. But that's the thing. What? Because if you go and, because you can right now, right this minute, the the order you placed, Vince, yeah. on eight, um, on on. April 1st at 3 in the afternoon. Well, it was probably the second, but whatever. Oh, my bad. Yeah. Uh, you can go and edit until May 20th. May 20th. So, yes. So, you so can. You have, so, you're telling people you have three more weeks to order these three books from Dark Horse, is what you, you're saying. You do. If you want them, go get them. But be a comic book fan. Place your order before the end of the month. Right? <laughs> There's no logical reason why you would wait by, you know, whatever. Oh, I'm not going to get this. I'm not going to get this. The more you deliberate, the more you take off, right, your list. So just do it fast. Hit it hard. Get everything you want and get out. And then just don't look at it anymore. Well, I don't know about that. But, yeah, but they're the best. If you do forget something on your order and you manage to wait past that time when you can't add it to your order anymore you write a little email and you say yo i didn't i I forgot to put this on my order and they'll do it for you they don't mind order additions they don't mind late orders you get your books wrapped extremely securely bubble wrap all the the trimmings delivered right to your door nothing could possibly be easier you don't have to leave the house dcbservice.com the best nicely done Thanks. I don't even know if I'm recording. I am. <laughs> it would be nice to check. Whoa. Yes, I am recording. <laughs> you are backing me up there, sexy, right? Rah. I know. Okay. Minutes. I know. So here we are. Uh, book of the month. As I said, the rise and fall of the Trigon Empire. Big thoughts going in. 
big thoughts for a big book. The usual. Well, this is a this is a rare um, book of the month in that I, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time reading it for all three of us, right? I read book one a long time ago. Okay. But, and, and for those of you playing at home, when I say book one, this is Trigon Empire Volume 1. Within its covers, it contains 13 books. It is truly a tale of biblical proportion. Yeah, because the first the first book is is uh, well, it's 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 forty odd pages, but it it reads like at least double that. Exactly. Dap and I were talking before Jason got here, and I said I made a prediction. We're going to see how it plays out. Um, but one of the um, points of deliberation was the pacing of the story, and we're going to see how the dice roll but so i so that we usually go into like when did this book originally impact you so in all of our cases it's almost nothing because i read the first book at least 10 15 years ago probably more mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. because uh the, this um edition was september 18th 1965 to what is it january oh that's just the first book 68 it was um 65 is a great uh, year by the way the last book 13 the invasion of bolus was originally published in look and learn 317 through 331 dated the 10th of february through the 17th of may 1968 okay so all of this was done in a three-year period which as as a person who does things with ink and paint, boggles my mind that mm-hmm. that someone could create this level of art in three years. It it just I cannot conceive how that would be possible. But Lawrence was a workhorse. He was old school, and mm-hmm. one of the factoids and a very interesting factoid about this um, series was uh, Lawrence worked on it. Until, oh, I think 76, right? And the story didn't end. Other artists were brought in. And so you may wonder why Lawrence left. Well, he went to a comic book convention in um, Britain, uh, London specifically. And I think it was like the first London comic convention. And he found out that the stuff was being serialized all over the place, all over Europe. And he approached the publisher and he's like, well, you know, what's the deal? I thought it was in this, this one little weekly and it, 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 it's, it's everywhere. So maybe I should get a little bit of compensation or some royalties for this. And the publisher said no. And he said, okay, see ya. And he walked. So that's why he departs in 1976. Makes sense. Yeah, I would too. Absolutely, I would too. Mm-hmm. It, it's like Hendrix, right? This is Hendrix level uh, illustration. It, you, you do not produce work like this and not get compensated for it. This is not work. For, I mean, technically, yes, it was work for hire, but it's on a level far, far above that. This is monumental visuals, uh, world class, in my opinion. But uh, so, you want to jump into it real quick? <laughs> <laughs> real yeah, re- real quick. Well, high level though, high level. I mean, what did you think of it? Did you? I mean, you said it was dense. 
But uh, what, what were your high-level thoughts in terms of your overall enjoyment of it? It speaks the exact language that I want to hear. It's it's decidedly old school in its pacing. Um, we are conditioned now to where a little plot nugget is dropped in our sequential art, and maybe it'll get resolved two, three months later. Maybe things are resolved two pages later in this book. Like there's nothing that's left to simmer. It's, it's the, the initial blast is revealed and then the, the thread is quickly tied up and the story moves apace. Like it's not to say that it's uneventful. It's just the opposite. There, there are big doings on, you know, every second or third spread and spread is two pages since this was produced as a, as a double page spread. Um, so it, it moves very quickly, which we are not accustomed to that kind of storytelling these days. The, you, they write for the trade. This is not the approach that was done back in 65. There were no trades to write for. It was just plain storytelling. Mm-hmm. In, inventive, dense storytelling featuring a cast of thousands, seemingly. There's a lot of characters in this book. Um, that's why I said it's of biblical proportion, because we get to see the progenitors of the Trigon Empire, and we get to see their children. In book two, there's even more kids. All about them key is. Yeah, I mean, spoiler, uh, Trigon has tr- has triplets. Oh, okay, well, that's, yeah. you know, gotta, it's going to uh, keep that All pattern family. going. Yeah. Uh, since since he was one of three, um, exactly. I'm hoping that uh, that I, I had to. Um, I read it thanks to um, the Amazon Kindle version, and I'm hoping since book two is scheduled for November of this year. I'm ho- and if that's not the case, I'm hoping when the second book does come out, they relist, resolicit the first and. Uh, and I'll grab it then. Because right now you can get the paperback for just under 50 bucks from Amazon. I'm going to wait on that. Since I've read this, I don't need it on my bookshelf right this minute. But I would love to have it on my bookshelf eventually. To answer Jason's question, I had an absolute blast reading this. It was um, – it's uh, – yes, it's it's um, it's dense. At, 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 I was telling Vince at the start um, that I wish – I could have saved some time. Early on, had I and I realized this, embarrassed to say, far too late. But I could have saved some time by ignoring some of the narration, some of the caption boxes, as as we're told. Uh, Bragg runs into the room. It's like, yeah, we, I, I see Bragg running it. Like I don't. It, it, it's it's it was almost as if it, were it not for the dates, I would have I could have sworn that Schroeder was standing behind Claremont telling him to, <laughs> to, yeah. to, to tell, not show. It was, um, it, which just goes to show you that that's not a a Claremont thing. There, there were there were authors that did that um, long before. Uh, well, Claremont brought us our mutants, but yeah, it, just to inform Giggles over there, this was <laughs> Giggles. This was written for children, and it was serialized weekly. Right. So yeah. some of those captions are the creators reminding the yeah, kids. And that's, and that's fine. What, that's yeah. absolutely fine. Because th- you, you also have... Flash, Vince. Uh, yeah. 
Claremont's X-Men was written for kids, too. Yes, but it wasn't a weekly. I okay. It was still serialized, my friend. Wow. Taking sides already. Oh, my lord. No, not at all, but it just... <laughs> something, being, something being overly uh, verbose is not... Uh, is not swatted away or defended simply because it was geared towards children. Last time I checked, kids like pretty pictures and not a lot of words. Well, these are British children, so they're more literate. But no, this, this was, um, it, it, it looks absolutely amazing. I, I cannot, I, I, I look at this art and I, th- I mean, when we, when we buy, comic books these days we're, we're looking at some of the art we see we see an artist and, and we're like oh you know uh, i i could look at uh you could look at 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 santos and you think okay you know that that reminds me of darwin cook or or or, or you know oming to some degree and and it, we we kind of think about who artists who current artists remind us of within the same time frame and and when i look so so now when i read the rise and fall of the Trigon Empire. I, I look at this and I'm like, I see, I could see maybe John Bushima here. I could see uh, in, in some of the expressions, maybe some Ryan. So, so I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, so even though we know when we started reading comic books, we know what, that, uh, you know, Todd, some, some of Todd McFarlane's poses, especially with Spider-Man, it may make you think of, of, um, of a Gil Kane character flying through space, just, just the way the shoulders and the knees are all out of the way. Um, but still, that's still within a time frame of, of when I was reading. This is a com- This is a series that started before I was born, and I'm looking at some of the art, and it reminds me of some of the artists who I was a fan of that were working in comics when I was reading comics and, and well after I started reading comics. But I, I the art is... Absolutely fantastic, and and yes, and and to say that it's 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 painted and the level of detail and uh, the world that was created. I mean, there's there's nothing. Every every panel is filled in with a background, and and even when they're out in the desert, it's like you you there's a mood and the tone, and it's it's it is so goddamn visually appealing. I I, I could not take my eyes off the page. It's it's just. And, and and the writer and the artist work so well together because even though, as Vince says, it is wordy, um, the balloons, the, the the boxes, they don't really get in the way of the art. I'm not I'm not pissed because there are so many word balloons covering up art. It it it's it's just it's done so freaking well. It's it's a beautiful beautiful book. Yeah, I think Lawrence is more in tune with the great paperback cover illustrators of the time than he is with with traditional comic artists. Definitely. I was going to make that point. It looks a lot like something you'd see in a pulp cover or something. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a, I, I mean, it's not the same approach, but I see a lot of Kelly Freeze in his work. Um, Alex Schomburg, like there's a lot. Yeah, you can pick it apart and say, well, this looks like this, this looks like that. But any of these covers or uh, um, panels would look great on a paperback cover. Um, when he gets into the tech and he's doing the the weapons of war, I could see his illustrations on the box for a model kit. Like that's how consummate yeah. of an illustrator this guy is. Uh, what he does with colors, ridiculous. 
um, his his uh, ability to render the the human form in a plethora of perspectives and proportions and and v- viewpoints he's amazing and to do this every week is just uh it, it makes my head hurt thinking uh because for those of you playing at home if you've never seen trigon empire it's painted art this is not pen and ink and and flat color these are fully painted panels every one of them so it's it's just it, it it's uh i don't want to use the word but this this book is on a level that few reach. Yeah, I. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I mean, I, listen, I, you you said it. It's it's almost hard to believe. Like uh, when I cracked it open, I was like, "Wait a minute, this is painted." Yeah. I, like I'm like nah. Like and then I thought, wait, okay, how long? how long did this take? And then I, as you said, I looked into it and I saw that it was serialized. I'm thinking, what the fuck? You know, I'm like, right. And then I started thinking about today's industry. (laughs) I mean, dudes paint one page like that in a month. Yeah. Yeah. And and like, like a guy that, that, that paints like that now would be a cover artist, like an Alex Ross. And they would do like two or three covers a month. And, and make enough to make a great living too, by the way. But you know what I mean? Like, like nobody's doing that. No one's even attempting it. Like, like even if you were just drafting that level of detail in pen and ink, uh, you would be doing maybe six issues a year if you were a full timer. If you, and that's if you were a full timer who didn't, didn't take off every weekend. I mean, it's just not, I don't even know how he did it. Like, did he have assistance? Was it a bullpen situation? I mean, how did that work? I think for the lettering, there's, cause the, um, at the beginning of the book, it says uh, the Don Lawrence Collection Studio for letters. But yeah, for artists, it just says Don Lawrence. Baffling. Uh, blow your mind even further. It wasn't the only thing he was working on at the time. Wait, what? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he would do paperback covers. He would do other things. Um, he originally apprenticed to, to Mick Anglo of miracle oh, miracle man yes uh so some of that line work in the old crappily produced marvel hardcovers uh miracle man uh, some of that is don lawrence interesting yeah um but no he was a he was an old school professional these guys didn't just do one thing they because they didn't get paid very well so in order to support their families they had to take other jobs um, and when you you combine that with the level of skill on display here, it just it it boggles your mind. It it it, it looks superhuman to me, uh, extraterrestrial even. I mean, uh, I have nothing but respect and admiration for Don Lawrence. This guy is just incredible. And um, Richard Starkings too, because if you remember in the back pages of Elephant Men, Don Lawrence appeared. Starkings would would showcase a a, a, a British uh, illustrator. Uh, I think it was a regular thing up until a certain point in in the mag- in the Elephant Man run, but Don Lawrence appeared in the back. Like you mention his name, and you get the the genuflect from from uh, those that know because he's just a, a monumental talent. Can you imagine being a kid in the '60s and somebody shoves this under your nose? There's no way in hell you cannot go gaga over this as a kid. The the heroes are larger than life. The villains are so despicable. You want to reach through the panels and choke them. 
and it's just it, it the the creatures the the weapons of war the the color it's just it it speaks to that impressionistic viewers in in all of us like if if I saw this back in the day like Liam Sharp of course I'd want to be an illustrator oh my mm-hmm. god someone can do this with pen and ink and and paint I want to do this this I my god this thing just changed my whole worldview and uh Liam Sharp does the intro for this because Liam apprenticed to Lawrence um and look at what that produced I think Liam Sharp is a phenomenal illustrator as well. Absolutely. Not not in the style of Don Lawrence, but um, you know, he he does have that uh the the pulp qualities to his art as does Mr. Lawrence. So. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. so let's get into the story. And now going into this, we kind of agreed that should we detail the events of every book within this volume, this would be a f- minimum 5-hour episode. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you a taste of the first book and leave the rest of the the remaining 12 for you to uh, experience on your own. You know, we'll talk about the the big picture after we're done and maybe some of the events of later books will bubble to the surface. But for all intents, we're going to go deep on the first book and you get to discover the rest and, and I'm imploring you i don't know how the other guys feel but i'm i'm imploring you to go out and get this book if you can get a digital or physical doesn't matter to me but you need to experience this book you will thank all three of us so book one victory for the trigons originally serialized as david said in ranger magazine September 18th, 1965 to January 29th, 1966. Starts off with a spaceship containing the last vestiges of the Trigon people from the planet Electon. Okay? And the, 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 the ship is just screaming through space. All of its crew is dead. A meteor comes by. Knocks the ship, which would be an asteroid, uh, knocks the ship off its present course. And wouldn't you know it, the ship screams towards Earth. And it eventually splashes down in the swamps of Florida and the scientific community. They rush to investigate, but they really can't make sense of the data. Much too complex. Um, deciphering snail's pace. If I mean, they, they just can't decipher it at all, right? Um So they eventually, after banging your head against a brick wall so many times, you realize, you know, I think I got to move on to something else. So they abandon the ship and its contents. Uh, But one man in particular, a Richard Peter Haddon, he devotes his entire life to deciphering the Trigon language, and he eventually succeeds. So the fantastic events that are chronicled in this and future volumes are due to the devotion and the dismay of his wife of one Peter uh, Richard Peter Haddon. That's a cool premise. That yes. w- that one guy just gave it all up. He was so intrigued by this alien language that he said, "You know what? I'm going to crack this if it kills me." And it eventually does because he he's he, he his there's uh, the creative team makes one panel where the wife and kids are like, the wife's like, "Hey, honey, come on, let's go for a walk." And he's like, "No, no, 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 no. I got work to do. I'm on the verge of a." 
a breakthrough. And you, you know, yeah. you could, you he know, read she, Richard, he read Richard Stir. Yeah, you know, she was stepping out, right? Because she ain't getting she it. Was going so, to see Namor like, like, uh, I, was always stop doing. it. Yeah, the kids don't look like him. Take it to the back door. Mm. Whatever. So, um, the, uh, the Trigon story proper begins with triplets. Bragg, Clued, and Trigo. And they're all from this place called Vorg. And Trigo, he looks around and he, and he, he kind of fears the strength of the Lokans. These guys are united. They have war machines. They have a, a, an air force and a navy and many, many uh, ground troops with guns. And he's like, you know, we got to do something because we're eventually going to get stomped by these dudes. So he tells the Vorg, his people, they were wanderers uh, previous to this. And he's like, we got to stop moving around. We got to unite and make a city, a fortress with walls that can defend us. Or these guys are going to come in and, and just take everything, the, what little we have. And um, sure enough, the Loka attack and Bragg's son is killed. So Trigo's pissed, and he, he just pleads with his brother and his people. It's like, stop. We, we have to learn. We have to grow in strength. And then we can launch our revenge. You just got to play it cool. We don't have anything. We, if we go in there trying to get revenge on these people, they're just going to kill us. So we got to pull back, marshal our, our defenses, and, and learn. And we could do this, right? Um so uh King Zorth of of Loka, he's the big bad in this first story. He sees the the Vorg as nothing more than savages. And he's like, okay. So here's what I could do. I can I can go in and mop up these Vorg, or I can attack these Tharv people who are pretty worthy of my attention. I mean they got armies and stuff these other these these zorgs they're 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 nothing or the vorgs they're nothing i went into toy story mode um the 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 vorg are nothing so i'm gonna go in and, and attack the tharv and so while loka is at war with tharv the vorgs build a monument to their slain and what do they do they construct a city around it so the Lokans blow the hell out of the Tharves. And the survivors flee and join the Lokans. So now uh, Trigo's empire is starting to grow, right? Mm -hmm. Among the surviving Lokans is their architect, Peric. This guy is going to be incredibly important to the Trigon Empire. But right now, he sees, like everybody does, he sees um, Trigo and his people as just like savages. And he brings his daughter, Salvia, who's really great on a Saturday night. And um, they have a, a massive Zoltan slave. So they, they come in and um, Clued discovers the survivors and he wants nothing to do with them. He's like, fuck these people. They're not us. Tell them to go away. Uh, but the scene turns ugly, and Trigo arrives to put a stop to it. So there's now an alliance between Peric and Trigo. And the fate 
of the planet is now decided by a coin toss. Because King Zorth wonders whether to destroy the Vorg or turn his attention to another country called Cato. And the coin is flipped, and it comes up Cato. So the Vorg are momentarily spared, which gives Peric and uh, Trico time to build that city that they're always talking about. Um, but it's time to vote. Now they need a leader, right? The Vork need a leader. So who who could it be? But Trigo, Clued, and Bragg, and they decide that we're going to use these little colored pebbles to vote for a leader. Uh, Trigo's going to be white. Clued's going to be black. Felt like I was watching Top Chef. And why they use pebbles on there? They do a lot of voting. Like people vote. Oh. And Bragg, who's an asshole, is going to be red. <laughs> he is, but he's got a good he heart, but he's not too sharp. He's not too sharp. But the bigger asshole, you'll see, um, is Clued. Now, this is Trigo's brother, right? They're, tri- mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're three brothers. So Clued looks out, and he sees a mountain of white stones. People definitely want Trigo to be their leader. So he's like, screw this. I'm going to kill him. And, and they're going to see that he wasn't worthy of being their leader, and, and I'm going to be the leader. So he sneaks into Trigo's tent to kill his brother, but that giant Zoltan slave, the, the new recruit into the, 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 what's going to be the Trigon Empire, he saves him. And now they, just, they say, okay, Clued, your fate's going to be decided by combat. Trigo versus Clued. But Trigo can't kill his brother. I mean, even though he is a Trattorius bastard, uh, so he decides to go hand-to-hand to determine his brother's fate. Of course, Trigo wins, but his hand is nicked by Clued's blade. See, bla- uh, Clued tr- dipped his blade in poison when he was going to kill him, and now Trigo gets a little bit on his, on his hand, um, and he's out of it for a while. So Clued runs back to King Zorth to tell him the news. He's like, yo, Trigo, he's out of it and he's going to die. So now's the time. They're leaderless. Now's the time to go in and just take everything, right? Siswant tries to get on his good side. He's trying to prove that he's as big an asshole as as King Zorth. Um, So Clued asks for 100 men. Just give me 100 men and I'll bring back all the remaining Vorg and you can use them as slaves in your war against the Kato. Right, but Peric's daughter Salvia is very good with the 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 uh, homegrown remedies, and she her hands. she is she's of course she's Salvia. Um, she she tends to to saving Trigo, and the Clued and the Lokans attack. Bragg and a mere twenty men take the Lokan strong point. This giant gun they overtake it, so now they got a big gun. So the ground war is theirs. But what of the air fighters? Trigo escapes death thanks to Salvia, and he realizes that commanding a force of air fighters would be a really good thing. It would be a huge boon to his people. So he devises a plan where Bragg and the survivors dress in Loken uniforms, Trojan horse, to greet Clude's descending fleet. It's a great scene. Clude is so sure of himself, and he doesn't realize his predicament until it's right on top of him. And so he orders the nearest craft to open fire, but, ha-ha, joke's on you, asshole, the stream of flame hits him. 
instead of brag. And Vorgs, the Vorgs quickly overtake the fighters' crews. So now Trigo has an air force of sorts. So Peric teaches the Vorg how to pilot the crafts. It was, after all, uh, Tharv technology that the yes. you know uh, the king pirated. And Trigo points them directly at King Zorth. So Trigo uses the fighters to destroy Zorth's navy. Get that shit out of here. And he saves the people of Cato in the process. And then he turns the squadron back home. Which squashes King Zorth's dreams of conquest. But now the king has nothing. Land, air, and sea forces are greatly diminished. Trigo turn, returns to Vorg victorious. And he pledges to spend the rest of his days building Vorg into a thriving land. And that's where book one ends. That's only the first book. <laughs> it's crazy how much stuff is in this thing. I thought the the first book is an amazing introduction. But as you go on, like there's this really cool relationship between Trigo and Bragg. Bra like we said, Bragg is not too smart. And at one point, Bragg has, or Trigo has every, is, is entirely justified to take the life of the person that wronged him. The, uh, whether, uh, infiltrating his kingdom, wreaking havoc, stirring people against him. Like, there are a number of villains in this book. And initially, Trigo's like, well, I'm just going to kill him. And Bragg's like, do you really want to do that? Like, is that what a leader does? And he should have killed him. Like, if, if, if Trigo killed the original villain in this book, a lot of things would have never happened. A lot of bad, bad things would have never happened. If he listened, if he didn't listen to his brother and just said, okay, I don't want to have to worry about this guy who is never going to change his spots coming back and destroying my kingdom then i'm just going to eliminate him i got nothing to worry about then but brag talks him out of it and that's where i was like all right so this is for kids i took that into account and trigo's trying to be well he is a, a very good leader but he's trying to be the picture of what passes as a great leader on this planet Right, he's trying to do the right thing, so he lets his enemies go. Or uh, one of the stories, um, they poison Trigo, and shit hits the fan, and a lot of the city's destroyed. And he says, "Okay, you Loken scumbags who try to take destroy my city and take my life, here's the deal: you lost, so your penance is you got to rebuild my city, and then I'll let you stay." Like, what? I, I just don't understand that kind of thinking. You had a, a terrorist force within the walls of your city that tried to kill you and destroy your city, and the penances, you got to rebuild my city, and then you can hang around? That, it, what? <laughs> I, they, would be, they would be worm food. It's just, it's, it's, it's an open gate. You're leaving this thing open for further access into your kingdom by these they've proven themselves to be duplicitous Facts. 
and they never learn. They hate the Vorg for whatever reason. They hate them with every. They were. They hate them. Their children hate them. Their children's children hate them. Like they, it, it's it's a, a legacy of hatred that has not been burned out of these people. And and uh, Trico's just like, yeah, you could stay, dude. What's wrong with you? Like it's unusual to 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 be, to be aware of 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 people with uh, that instill hate in future generations. It's so. Yeah, I know. It's so on. Um, un- so unlike. And you know, there's a lot of current events in this book. Yeah. There's a. Yeah, I mean, it's and and it's, it is. Maybe that's another reason why this book kind of hit me just right. I mean, understanding that there's a, there's a benevolent leader here, and and not someone who, um, isn't. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, it, it, yeah. A lot of what happens in these stories are, um, no for. For the most part, they're they're very in the style of a sitcom, meaning that um, what happens at the end of the episode needs to reflect like the status quo. Like you don't, no matter mm-hmm. what the story is, at the end of those twenty eight minutes, it needs to be like, everything needs to be reset. So this way, next week, it's as if nothing ever happened. Uh, you do see characters age. There, there, there is growth. There's absolute growth, whether it's the technology, whether it's the city, whether it's the people. You do see things with the... It's, there is growth, but at the end of the story, um, things are pretty much put back the way they are. Oh, I'm blind. Okay, wait, two panels later. Okay, I'm better. And 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 he's been shot. Oh, I hope he's okay, or, or, or we missed... He's missing. But I, like as as the stories went as as I kept reading the books, it for me it was more about the story that was being told. There wasn't a lot of oh my god, I can't believe we might not see that character again. I never really thought that throughout this whole thing. Yeah, but and that's fine. I, I'm not, and that's that, that's not no, a complaint. That, there's that, one that's, that's, thread of constant change through the book. I, I know the status quo is is pretty much maintained as far as the characters go. But the the one thread of the one thing you can bank on is that Trigo, because he's so upstanding and he's so forthright and he wants to do the right thing every time, because he's such a good guy, he makes alliances at every turn. Like you could see yeah. how how the Trigon Empire is going to grow because in one story he'll come up against a force of people that were conditioned to hate them and fear fear the 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 trigon people and he ends up winning them over at the end because he's such a good guy and they're like okay if you ever need us we're there for you and i'm gonna send my my son karen to live with you because i trust you so much and so karen forms a bond with jano who is uh the the son right yeah bragg's son and so they're like the the uh, the dynamic duo for the next generation. They're in the thick of everything. They're pilots. They 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 turn the tide in a number of battles. Uh, but the one thing you can bank on is that Trigo is going to form an alliance with somebody and increase his empire because of it. And and you could see in the beginning they had basically a, a tower with a wall around it. And by the the middle of the book, they have this sprawling city, and they have yeah. guns, and they have planes, and 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 um, bomber jackets, yeah, and helmets. Um, and helmets. Yeah, on. they got the helmets on there, but they they have weapons of war, which 
they're not quick to use, but you got to defend yourself, right? And it, uh, Trigo will always, always err on the side of, of righteousness. It infuriates me about the guy. Because because sometimes is, he doesn't have enough information, like in the one story. Oh, that's true. The the war with uh, Harakon. There's this um, uh, a salesman named Yenny, and he's selling fruit in the market, oh, and okay. and he's an asshole. So yes. what what he did was he would take rotten fruit, put it on the bottom of the basket, and put fresh fruit on top, and he gets called out on it. The woman's like, "Yo, you sold me rotten fruit." And it's a story about people that do deceptive shit and then scream revenge when they're caught. Yep. And that you can look out the window and you'll see plenty of that, right? And so he goes to um, Trigo and he's like, these people, they took me and they branded me. They put a mark on my forehead that I'm, that I'm, I'm not, I'm untrustworthy. I'm a thief. You got to do something about it. And, Trigo's like, well, fuck this. Something's got to be done. And so he he didn't ask the captain of the guard, whoever it was that that was there when it happened, like, is this guy on the up and up? No. He he just launches, well, we got to go talk to these other people and, and, and see what's up. And it, it started a war. This guy incited the his own people against Trigo, and, it, and people died just because this asshole was selling bad fruit and didn't want to admit when he got caught. Like that's like I said, the villains in this story are despicable. Like you instant hate, and not only because of the things they do, but the way they're rendered. Lawrence, he's just amazing with drawing these sleazy, despicable characters. Yeah. Like uh, Yenny's hair is unkempt, and he just has this nebbish of a face that you just like. Oh, what sewer drain did you crawl out of? You know, it's amazing. But the. Uh, that aspect of of it people people who know trigo he he makes people want to be better because even if um when uh when the city is uh gets new occupancy when a new ruler shows up with the bloodline uh and and um she Let's everyone's guard down, and 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 now, um, a tree gun is is uh, is being overrun, and she's ready to 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 face her fate. Uh, Peric shows up and rescues her, and and he could have very easily have just let her, but but he says, you know, it's it's better. You're we. It's more of an advantage for you if you run away and live than if you just stay here, stand your ground and, and, and die. So, um, it ends up working out to everybody's, but everybody in this pretty much, well, all, all the good guys, everybody that, uh, the trigo does has, has the ability to, um, to, to think about the long game. They, they, they're very, they're forward thinking. They're, they, they keep their hands open opportunities in, in instead of the whole clench fence thing because it's the, the the empire can grow the alliances that are formed benefit everyone and and yet yeah, he he may not think things through right away uh but he surrounds himself with people like Peric who um who who let him know 
you know, this is this would probably be for the better. It, it's um, I like Peric a lot. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, he and he turns it, as a character um, amazingly in this story. He originally, like I said, he thought uh, Trigo and company were savages, and all he yep. did he he trusted his ears and his, he trusted his senses to see that what he's been told is not exactly what was true. So I got to respect that when he, he uses evidence to make a decision instead of what someone has told him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's not going to, he's not going to let his prejudices uh, form his opinions. And, and Trigo is one who will not, he, he won't have someone do anything that he himself will not do. So he'll go into the thick of things. He'll go oh, and yeah. fight the other leaders. He'll, he'll, he'll make, he's not going to, he, he's not, nobody's expendable to him. He's, he's, he's not going to have someone do his, his dirty work, if you want to call it that. But I, the, another thing that made me smile is yes. I mean, we're introduced to these, these barbarians and, in, in in their fur vests and um, writing their creeds, and you have their enemies with with their flamethrowers and their aircrafts, but then you know you you get a couple of books in, and there's a pirate ship with 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 people down in the galley rowing, and and it's like it, it's it, it, on this planet where you have um, extremely primitive technology and and tribes you you also have um a dude making his his 18 level biplane and and it's just it's well i love this world yeah yeah and because trigo is so upstanding it made the uh i think it's book six uh the revolt of the locans they the the loca are still hell-bent on bringing down uh, tri- mm-hmm. Trigo, and so they decide. All right, I, we got an idea. Y- you see those Zargots that everybody fears, those giant lizard things that are always fighting and biting on each other, and and they're they're savage and it's, they're really tough to kill. Um, Trigo kills a bunch of them along, along the way, but that just shows you that he's got the stuff, right? So we got these these giant lizards that are are they're so savage that they'll take down one of their own. You know why they're like that? Because they eat this flower called the chorus i think this it's because the flower makes them it addles their mind and it makes them savage and brutal i think we can feed this shit to trigo make him go off the rails his people will hate him and we can march in there and take the city and it almost happens right but the 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 horrible thing about that story is you get to see the the nice guy of the book turn into a tyrant a beautiful, a, a brutal, despicable leader who doesn't care about his people. There's one point when he wants all his, uh, he wants his army to march off a cliff just because he wants to see if they'll do it. He ordered them to do it. They better do it. And he gets pissed off when they don't. Like the, he turns into a savage and they, they lock him up. And the story eventually comes out in his favor, but it was hard seeing him like that because for the 150 or whatever pages before that, he was the the shining example of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean that is the perfect illustration of the fact that to me this is just um 
not just that's the wrong word because that suggests somehow it's lesser. Um, it's it is highly highly influenced by uh, Roman history. I mean, like the whole thing oh, is yeah. a big Roman mythos. I mean, because to me that whole sequence that you're talking about, Vince, is just straight out of the old Encyclopedia Britannicas that we had, where the emperors and the senate of Rome were going mad from from drinking lead in casks. Lead drove them insane and made them cruel and and uh, and drove them mad. And that's this is a proxy for that. Sure, lots of things in these books seem to be proxies to me for like Greek and Roman history, and that makes sense because obviously, I mean, even the name, right, Trigon Empire. It's not again. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not breaking new ground here with that revelation, but um, but uh, uh, it's interesting. I I don't know what it is, but it seems like the any science fiction story that is built around the idea of um, like an empirical. Uh, rise and fall is highly appealing to certain readers, yourself included. Like whether it be this or Planet of the Apes, or like like just it, it seems like it is a genre that has incredible intense appeal to a certain group of people. True, you know, because and you can go back to it over and over again because you just love the the genre, like I do with let's say, well, at least until we had this fucking plague, this post-apocalyptic stuff. Like, I could read a post-apocalyptic story almost any, any time, generally speaking. So this seems to be that, that this has that au revoir that, that like, works for, for you. Like, the second I saw the first two pages of art and and the way it was constructed, for, I was like, oh, this is, like, told, this is up Vince's alley. Yeah. Um, I would say D- David is, is also interested in that genre. I, I don't immediately go to thinking of him as someone who's super into that genre but he definitely is as i think about it because you like the apes and stuff too and you like i mean so so it makes sense um uh this i have to say the the one thing that uh (laughs) that i found amusing about the book is just that uh while the art is jaw-dropping for sure um and as we've talked about i mean just the craft of it is just inspiring um you know this is very much of its time in the sense that like this is like uh uh, you know, straight out of like, uh, like just p- pick your pick your Roman gladiator movie of the time, right? And you have shirtless, like ripped white dudes all oiled up. <laughs> like this is like, like I could just picture, you know, like Charlton Heston in the lead role here. Um, you know, it, uh, it it definitely, I would imagine that that were this turned into a film, it would have been very popular in the bathhouses uh, uh, back in the uh, in, in the sixties. Uh, you know, there's a homoeroticism to the art that. Uh, I think is 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 amusing in the light of 2020 to me um, because it's like entirely masculine and unintentional just as those films were right. But like they ended up becoming adopted as like super homoerotic because of the way that they were actually made, even though that was not in the minds of the filmmakers at the time. So very much reminded me of that. Yeah. Well, it's not Tom of Finland, but <laughs> no, I'm not, that's my point. It, it, it's it's unintentionally homoerotic. Right. Um, yes. I think there's a timeless quality about it. Uh, it's just a primer on how to live a good life and be good to all of those around you. Sure, yeah. I mean, there's nefarious... Yeah, it's e- a hero epic, right? Yeah, there's nefarious evil people in this book. And to a, a man and or a woman, they all get brought down. So yes. good always prevails. It's just that in getting to the end point, good people suffer and or die. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
it, it's a parable is, for, is, for is life. Your appreciation for not just this, but broadening out is your is your appreciation for pulp characters generally speaking because of the purity of the story? Yes. Like, is that a big draw for you? Like it's very yeah. simple. Like not simple in the I don't mean again, I don't mean simple in a pejorative way. I mean it's just you know who the villains are, you know who the heroes are. Um and the heroes the heroes fight daunting odds but ultimately mm-hmm. end up victorious. Well, yeah, that that's a huge component of it, but mm-hmm. um, I I I'm not going to apologize for it. But I'm very black and white in, in a lot of instances. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Um, where if you wrong me, and I have evidence from many sources, uh, including my own, that you have, if you snuck into my city and you tried to poison me, I am not going to let you go. Like I and if you if you look at a lot of the pulp characters that I like, they are cut from that same cloth. The shadow, mm-hmm. like the, I think evil should be snuffed out. I don't think it should be given a second chance or let's rehabilitate it, right? Um, and and this is just fantasy evil. I'm not talking about real world evil because the real world is is much com- more complex than black and white. But in in my fantasy fiction, I want to see the bad guy go down. And I don't want to see him given a chance. I want to see him taken out for what he did. You walked, you, 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 you didn't just tiptoe over a line. You jumped over it. You tried to kill me. And now you're going to pay the price. Actions have consequences. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to believe your tear filled speech of repentance. No, I'm not. You're done. Get out of here. And, and that's why I like the pulse stuff, like the spider. Spider doesn't take any shit. If you commit a crime, you're going down. Judge Dredd, I'm sorry, son. You broke the law. Mm-hmm. You are going to jail for a long, long, long time. You're probably never going to get out. So I, I, I like the fact that despicable actions have bad, bad consequences for you. You made the choice. It's all about choice. And uh, like I said, it's not exactly how the real world works, uh, but in my my entertainment i like i like it that way i like it when bad guys lose the and they pay the yeah, ultimate it's, price. Oh, it's, absolutely. It, it is interesting because i think you can't be a superhero comics fan and not at least on some level enjoy a good bad guy being beaten by the good guy story but when it comes to non-superhero stuff i'm far more intrigued by the ambig- ambiguity and the anti-hero far more um and again, it's not to say I don't enjoy things like this, but in terms of the draw for me, I find the uh, – although like you, I'm highly black and white in real life. I mean I see things very, – very, mostly I see things as either right or wrong. Um, but when it comes to my fiction, I very, very much like the moral ambiguity and not being sure of if someone's worth rooting for um, or, or being – led to root or, or for and against someone, you know, I, I'm much more of an Al Swearingen guy than a, uh, than a Lone Ranger guy. You know what I mean? Like right. just in terms of the kinds of things that well, really hit me hard. Um, well, that's one of the reasons why I don't consider Wolverine a hero. He's, he's just, right. No, he's no, a killer well, with, with why, good friends. That's probably why I like him. Cause I can like him cause he's an, he's an antihero to me. Yeah. Right. He is capable of incredibly, incredible good and selfless acts, but he is also capable of the, the most heinous atrocities. Um, and, and you're right that, uh, 
but then and then again, I'm thinking about David. But you you like the antihero. I mean, look at the Punisher. I mean, he's the he's like the classic. What are you talking about? Deathstroke. Deathstroke, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's a more of an antihero guy. I wouldn't say more. I, I I would say he has his sacred cows, like the Punisher. Well, I'm speaking for him. Why don't I just shut <laughs> no, up and let you speak? Right here. No, yeah. no, no. Go ahead. It, it's, <laughs> it's I'm not. I'm I'm just I'm I'm not along with you. Yeah. No. I I do. It's. I don't. I really don't know what the what the mix is because obviously, yes, I. I you also you know, love Superman, and he's the ultimate. That's guy. exactly yeah. where I was going. So yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Superman or Spider Man, but yes, I do. I I, I do kind of um, kick back and enjoy uh, Garth's Punisher, and 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 yeah, same thing with Deathstroke, and I. Although, but Deathstroke originally, and and to this day, he's not. I don't. I yes, he's a mercenary, so he has his code, but. No, he was introduced to kill the Titans, and, and he he um, the, the, his relationship with Terra. You know that that's not that's not a good guy move, and his uh, even his his ongoing series, even even back in the in the eighties and the nineties, that was not um, it wasn't necessarily something that uh, was it, it was very similar to to. Punisher, where you're not, you're not really supposed to be cheering for this guy. He may take down bad guys, but it's it's only because someone paid him to. Um, right. He, he, he's so. It's it, yes, I I um I like reading stories where things and and this is this is very transparent. There are, I mean, you know, you definitely anybody who shows up on a page. Whether the writer is going to tell you, or he's going to the the, the villain's going to reveal himself in a conversation in a panel or two later, you're not going to you're never going to read this book and wonder if this person has ulterior motives. They, they they're pretty much yeah. They they may not tell the character, but you as the reader are going to know. And then and then you're reading along, hoping that you know Trigo or 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 Bragg will find out before it's too late. But but you pretty much know. Um, where everybody stands. There's right very now. much an element of the old Republic serials in this book, where where you have the forthright hero, the despicable villain, and is it going to come out good in the end? Of course it is, but but th- there there's that race to the thing at the end that you know is going to happen, and you need to see how it pans out. You know it, you know it's going to pan out in their favor, but you need to see how it does. And I think it's, in 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 all of these stories. The the comeuppance is, it's a novel way of doing it. Uh, it it a lot of times it comes out of left field where where you think it's going to go this way. Ah, uh, no, it, it this is how it happened. Like the one story that really got me and I didn't see it coming was um, the land of no return. When there there's a um, oh yeah. yeah, there's a mythology uh, yeah. on the planet that when it's your time. When you're old and busted, which didn't make a whole lot of sense to me, considering what happens to them when they get there. But that's just beside the point. They didn't know that. I know they didn't know that. But but the dumbasses on the other side was like, okay, we're going to invent this mythology that when when you're ready to to receive your final reward, you make yourself this super ornate boat encrusted with jewels, and you head on down the river Pix. (laughs) Nudge nudge. And you, you get to the land where it's beautiful and everybody loves each other. And when I heard that, I'm thinking, well, why doesn't everybody just live there? But anyway, um, 
and and you get to this land and, and you 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 reap the reward of a wonderful life and everything's beautiful and the opposite was true it was all a ruse all the people that went down the river were taken as slaves to work in the mines for this this i forget the, the name of the people on the other end but and so Peric gets in a boat and he thinks he's going for his just reward and he becomes a slave when he gets there and i'm thinking that's awesome that's an awesome take on religion that maybe all the stuff you were fed your entire life isn't quite true and you should be wary of deciding it's true without seeing some evidence for yourself you know and and i'm thinking to to push that story in front of the eyes of kids was i think a very good thing to do on the creative team not to say to try and brainwash kids like that stuff you hear every sunday you know it's not good for you but what they're saying is all the stuff that comes out of the guy's mouth with the collar at least do some research or try and and find out you know like ask yourself have a sit down with yourself meditate think about it is this the the way you really think it is and live a life questioning just don't go in blind and just head down the river picks in your boat hoping to get the final reward when the final reward may be a, a you know slavery so who knows but i thought that story was great i think it, i think it's the best story in the book Ooh, i don't know if it's the best i do like it a lot because I, I i it it was um it was a spotlight for Peric, and it, it's uh thank the gods jealous. thank the gods for the stairway huh seriously so glad they uh, put that there <laughs> But it, what I'm like, saying is, I, I, it, so, I love how quick things happen too. So oh, I gotta oh, make my boat, yeah, with jewels. <laughs> but the thing is, if you're creating this ruse to get people to be slaves, everybody that's coming down the river is old and broken. How good of a slave can they possibly be? Like you, you think you would want young people with the ability to to work in the mines? No, you're getting this 90, 80 year old guy who who's thinking he's gonna die. And he's now he's going to work in the mines. How much work could he possibly do? Another break? Are you kidding me? You just had one. <laughs> My prostate. It's it's one of those things where it's it's uh, maybe maybe they have healing arts that we weren't aware of when they get there. Oh, now you're writing and, stuff into the story, and they're able to. <laughs> but I I um and since you mentioned um, Jano again, it it's I think it it didn't occurred to me while I was reading it, but, but yes, as, as you said, it was, um, cause even, I mean, the, the cover blurb, the cover blurb, uh, there's a quote from Gaiman where he says, uh, these were, um, these, the children's magazine look and learn, um, were allowed in schools, even schools that had banned comics. So, so yeah. this, this serial was, well, thought of and the uh the fact there's that, a yes, purity we're to reading it, it. But yes and and i think i i think with the with the introduction although it was early on but but with with you getting some stories and 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 with jano and and karen um taking action in in a bulk of the stories i guess if you're a kid and you're reading this it's like you know i don't i don't really care about the emperor but at least you know here's here's jano 
training to be a right. Uh, that was a smart. Pilot. Yeah, and and you know now they're going to go and 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 you know, didn't get bogged down with the icky romance stuff and 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 girls ew. So I mean, it's yeah. it's I it, it was this I I, I just I love the just the the pureness of it. it it's this right. is this is it. I think the relationship between Jano and Karen is the best pairing in the entire book. They are def- they are definitely friends, uh, yes. like tried and true. One of them, each one would die for the other one. And yeah. in in the one uh, story, they're they're in their their air their air fighters and they're doing fake combat maneuvers. Yeah, and one of them hits the other. Yes, and Jano goes down, and Karen is despondent. He he's oh like God. I just killed my best friend. I I'm That's... such an and he goes he goes to the king like, and he supplicates right. himself in front of the king like I screwed you. I did something really bad. I didn't mean it. And and Trigo's just like oh, I don't don't beat yourself up. Oh, Frank <laughs> right. is like listen. He's like I know I you you cared for my son almost as much as I. You know this was an accident. Obviously, I, I mean anybody else would be like you. You you killed my son. Yeah, I can't, I can't. But I I also Bragg's probably like, listen, I've been through a few of these stories. I know he's going to be fine by the end of it. We're good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I lost his son already, so you know we're no, good. That was his brother, his nephew. He lost his nephew. That was that was Clud's brother. Oh, Clud. Yeah, that's right, Clud's. But what, Jason? To just go back uh, to your question, why does ground up? fiction like this appeal to me is because you get to see an entire civilization created and grow sure yeah yeah like it's like dune like you know name the book dune um th- there are a ton of uh foundation you, you get to see how the organism evolved over time that mm-hmm. speaks volumes to me and um as far as the purity and why this book was accepted when other comics were not it's because it's it at every point it does the right thing good succeeds bad evil fails and and it it just it's it speaks to the the way i would think you would want your kid to to be raised thinking that you know the good guys do win i i mean it doesn't pan out over the course of the series because while we do get to see the rise, we also get to see the fall. So mm, there's a reason why those uh, trigons were uh, in that spaceship in the beginning, because it obviously didn't end well. But we'll see. We'll see. Pretty I mean, transformer it could, style. They're trying to head to Earth. Yeah. <laughs> when they die, they didn't get to oh, transform. Gosh. They ended up dying. It's like, don't scan the mailbox. If you want to scan something, scan the Maserati, not the mailbox. That's right. <laughs> 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 yeah, but, I actually, I gotta say, visually, I, I, uh, I thought the creatures were again, again of the time. You know, they looked like, um, they looked like the way uh, paleontologists would draw dinosaurs back in like the the 1910s when they didn't quite know how to uh, take bones and make them work uh, anatomically. But uh, but the last story, the last chapter of the book, when you've got the two automaton <laughs> the monsters, yes, those were dope as fuck. Because I'm like, yes. at first, I'm like, what is this sea war? The sea monster looking motherfucker, he doesn't right? scary at all. Yeah. But then, uh, but then I'm like, oh, okay, it's a robot. Then I was getting that Scooby Doo vibe, and then I was feeling it. So, yeah. 
Can't agree with that, but I get it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I can't. Just, I just can't. Just, just like an ostrich can't fly. I mean, those those lizard creatures that uh, are so hard to kill. They got the, they got some puss wings. Like the wings, what are the wings for? They can't fly. What are they gonna do with those wings? A twelve-year-old's gonna look at that and think that is the coolest creature I've ever A seen. A twelve-year-old looked at the paleontologist books on their in their lab parents' library and was like, "Holy shit, these." These these dinosaurs were amazing. Sorry, no, not gonna co-sign uh, that. I love you. <laughs> I'm not co-signing it. I will say I, the, the only and and it it's only because I'm I'm considering the era that this was made. The only time I paused is um is is when we see is is when I saw King Zorth because his his features are definitely are of the Asian persuasion and and considering the era this was made it 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 reminded me of of um the prequel outrage and how uh how people could have found, how people found that. yeah and 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 uh thinking that that was feeling that that was offensive and um but yeah it it but but just like Ming the merciless I mean you know I was Ming, just gonna say that yeah thank you right which is why which where I was going with it but yeah well, it, I mean, and, and before him too right Fu Manchu yeah I mean just like Yellow Claw but it's it's yeah I mean but yes he had that look because that was that was meant to um least convey that attitude but um so you could just look at it and and know based on the era that, well, uh, for a that, long time the the Asians were the enemy right. And right. I, I'm not you saying know, it, the Orientals. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm not saying yeah. it, it was right, but oh no, I know, I know. You know, you side with the Germans, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> so did the Italians. I know, I know. But I mean, be that as it may, um, it's very hard to depict various races especially these days like what do you do do you just make their skin oh, yeah, no, green yeah. or purple mm-hmm. uh you give them any kind of distinguishing characteristic and they're gonna say oh so the russians are the bad guys now like right. it's so hard because everybody yeah, read it, on now and right everybody's so aware of this now that yeah. you know um race casting is not a good thing and it's not but if you're going to be a diverse illustrator and depict the facial features in a matter that's not Caucasian with a color applied to it, what do yes. you do? Right. You know, mm-hmm. it's tough. Yeah. I, I, again, nobody, this wasn't, this wasn't made three years ago. This mm-hmm. is this, uh, you know, then you could look at it and say, well, that's just, that's, that's hella offensive. But this is, I mean, it, it's, and, and obviously, as you continue to read it and, and knowing how, how, how we love this is it, it, no one's going to look at it and, and, and think that, uh, you know, Oh, these guys were low key racist when they were making this book. Well, I, I mean, if, I, right, right. at so the time, yeah, I don't look at this and think, Oh, this is right. Exactly. Yeah, right. But I mean, if you look at Trigo and his brothers, so I guess Aryan, right. Yeah. Is the master yeah, race. Like, oh, what's with the, oh, yeah. Everybody's blonde, blue yeah. eyed and all built and buff. The Uber man. Um, yes. but be that as it may, um, I just think this is a uh, a monumental, monumental ach- achievement, and it, I think it belongs on every uh, aficionado, not only of sequential uh, art, but of just art in general. I mean, screw the story. If you don't want to read it, don't. Just look at these illustrations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to its credit, 
I think the narrative is as rich and captivating as the visuals. So it's one of those perfect storms where both writing and art congeal into this just massive piece of, of mythology that I love so much. I can't wait till the rest of it comes out because I didn't read any of it aside from that first book. So it's it, whatever comes out next, book two in November 2020, hopefully it comes out. That's going to be all completely new to me. And then you got even more. This thing lasted for a long time. Mm-hmm. I'd be thinking 2021 at this point, but I'm, I'm sure it'll be coming. Well, whatever. Whenever yeah. it comes no, out, I'm it just comes saying because everybody's pushing their stuff out. But yeah, I mean, it, good good stuff is worth waiting for. We have plenty to occupy our time until then. Oh yeah. God, yeah. Oh, yes, it'll be so worth the wait too. So, if you haven't already taken it down, write it down. The Rise and Fall of the Trigon Empire, Volume 1, Mike Butterworth, written by, illustrated by Don Lawrence, and of course, published by Rebellion. It's a trend. It's a trend. So, there you go. Beautiful. What else do we have? I mean, that took a while, dude. Well... (laughs) And that was only the first book. Join us next week when we go into book two. <laughs> no, I meant the whole. I meant the the collection was. It took a while to read. It did. Crash in the jungle. Um, <laughs> I have a curiosity. I don't know what that means, but I'm I'm intrigued. Um, I'm curious. And I'm, I'm going to be curiosity. I'm going to be dapped for a second because I didn't take it out of the bag before we sat down and record. That, that's on me. <laughs> Did you be more this, this is a uh, weird little time capsule. And um, uh, I bought this. I think it was the last time we went to Heroes. Hmm. Yeah. And it's been just steeping in, in my library. And I said, ah, wow, Jim Starlin cover. I'm going to read this bitch. So, um, as I said, Jim Starlin cover, it's called Adventure Illustrated. It's magazine format, published by NMP. And okay. it, it was published in 1981. Mm-hmm. Now, there's, it was published by Hal Schuster. Uh, there's an introduction, uh, a publisher's note, and it, it's pretty, um, it's pretty, bombastic Uh, he's setting the goal for the magazine um and he says um here after many delays we present for your viewing pleasure the first results of what we feel constitutes a superior graphic magazine several of the creators here you may not be familiar with some you will know but all have produced works of superior quality Several have not produced work recently for any other comics publisher. Several continue to produce work, although only half-heartedly. And at least one has been finally discovered as a fan favorite since we first contacted him. Each story and each illustrator works in his own unique style. One cannot be mistaken for another. And then he goes down a list and I'd be giving you, um, I'd be giving it away, uh, if I told you, but it follows. Modern comics do not truly serve as a place to break new ground. They only present superhero material, with a couple of very notable exceptions, and they confine their talent to working within seriously limited boundaries to which they determine to be acceptable to the mass-buying public. 
Major characters may not be changed, and the presentation must conform to a house style. This does not allow serious experimentation to be conducted in the use of panel layout and composition, black areas and white areas, or any other deviation from the norm. As a result of this, uh, is to drive the greatest talents right out of the industry. So no work appears by such individuals as Steve Englehart, Don McGregor, Mike Sikowski, Alex Toth, Doug Wildey, Pat Boyette, Jack Kirby, and various others. This is not because those talents are not good enough, but because they care too much. And so they turn to higher paying and less frustrating work elsewhere, writing novels, doing animation storyboards, laying out advertising, and their ability is lost to comics forever, perhaps cutting comics off from the very spirit of rejuvenation which they so desperately need. There is a need for a true graphic showcase which is not afraid to break new ground in a real matter, not with empty, bubble-headed excursions into the writer's particular fancies of the moment, but one which presents solid storytelling, logical characterization, and recognizable artwork, one which can do for America what some of the real graphic magazines of Europe do for the continent. And I do not mean the flashy excesses of Metal Hurlant. Yikes. Dude's blowing smoke out of his ass. You had me at hello. But the excellent story work of such publications as Pilat. Those who are aware of these publications know exactly what I mean. And I do not know... And and those who do not know have a very pleasant surprise in store, a magazine which recognizes and embraces those virtues. Adventure Adventure Illustrated. Now, I got to call foul on a lot of that. Like, there's no artistic growth uh, present in mainstream comics. I'll give... Okay, when you hear the roster of talent in this book, you'd be like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll throw you a bone because... If he had a bunch of schlubs in the magazine, I would say, you're fronting. But he does not. This magazine contains Magenta Core, written by Doug Munch and illustrated by Bill Sienkiewicz. Stinger Ray, Chapter 1, by Pat Boyette. Raider, by Mark Evanier and Mike Sikowski, with Alan Gordon on inks. Lettering by Tom Orzachowski. The Virginian, an adventure classic illustrated by Don Heck. And Matrix, written by John Warner and Tom Sutton. Like, this magazine is chock full of heavy hitters. The the um, Sienkiewicz uh, story, you would think it was straight out of Moon Knight. It is, I'm, I'm loving Neil Adams era uh, Sienkiewicz. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. And, I mean, each story is better... Uh, not better, but as good as the one that preceded it. Just amazing, amazing artwork. And, the I mean, it's a magazine, so it's adult. There's nudity. I mean, Mike Sikowski draws a lot of boobies. But the curiosity um, element behind this magazine is there never was a second issue. Mm. To my uh, research... And knowledge, there was never a second issue published. And on the back of the the magazine, they say, The dawn of the new media age continues with Fantasy Illustrated, which continued stories from this magazine. Why you would have to buy a different magazine to get the second chapter of things that were presented in this is beyond me. But 
um, according to this, Fantasy Illustrated would contain a cover by P. Craig Russell, The Gin, a story by Steve Englehart, Steve Ditko, and Steve Lealoha. Mm. And then come back here to Adventure Illustrated, where we're going to present Rio, a Western masterpiece by Doug Wildey, The Mocker by Steve Ditko, and a cover by Paul Galassi. And you're going to have mm-hmm. Pat Boyette and Sikevich and, and Munch coming back to finish what they did. But I don't think any of those were published. And this thing was two ninety five for a 68-page magazine. And it is gorgeous. The Sutton story is, well, I mean, I love Tom Sutton, so I'm going to, of course, I'm going to call it gorgeous. But each each story is just more compelling and more and so beautifully illustrated. It's just great. Why did this magazine tank? I don't know. Uh, it's not because time has come. Yeah, not because of the the level of talent in it. That's for sure. But I think um, I think the publisher may have set uh, his sights a little too high, and maybe expected a little too much. But um, it's gorgeous. Adventure Illustrated number one. If you can find it. Um, in the magazine size back issue bins, scoop it up. Uh, I got to go do some searching because I I need to know how these stories pan out. There are obviously the, there's some that continue, and um, I don't know what happened, so I need to know. NMP Publishing Adventure Illustrated Number One, crazy the stuff you nice. find. Yeah, I think that, in the crates. So that was almost a um, uh, a fanzine flashback and a uh, magazine spotlight. It was like a twofer. It was. Mm. What else do we have, boys? Well, about a year ago, I spoke on a first second book called, excuse me, uh, The Dam Keeper, if you recall. It was, well, I should say it was, it is uh, a graphic novel that was adapted by uh, Robert Kondo and Daisuke Tsutsumi um, from a short film that they also created. Uh, Robert Kondo and uh, Daisuke Tsutsumi are longtime professional animators, uh, spending most of their careers working at Pixar, including as the art directors for movies like Monster University. And they did the damn keeper short film at Pixar. Uh, and it, um, was nominated for an Academy award. It did not win back in 2014. Uh, I remember seeing it. And so when the first volume of the damn keeper graphic novel was solicited, uh, I jumped all over that and I spoke on it again about a year, maybe even longer ago. Um, uh, it's a story that the, the graphic novel picks up a few years after the short film. Um, it's a relatively simple premise, as you might expect, based on a short film. There is a um, an anthropomorphic. Well, he's an animated pig. He actually looks more like a a, a, a pig than a, a anthropomorphic. Kind of implies he's got uh, more human features, but uh, it's it's a, a little pig that um, his job. He's a school school age kid, and his job is to um, man this windmill. Um, in the center of town, they live in a small shire that's a walled city. And his job has always been to keep the windmill going 
and he has to do that by winding it each day. Uh, and in order by winding it and keeping it going, he is they are able to uh, keep this really dark um, smoke or, or fog or what have you at bay that uh, the town is afraid of and uses evil. And uh, some of you may recall when I talked about the first volume, it's it's really about his journey. Uh, his parents have been missing um, at the start of the book, so he's effectively an orphan. Um, he's a, a really sweet kid. But he's uh, ridic- and he provides a, arguably the most important service in the town. But he's ridiculed for being different uh, by everybody until uh, a new person arrives in town uh, named Fox. And um, Fox is an artist, has a sketchbook, also a loner, but the kind of loner that's a cool loner, right? They're very happy to be a loner and doesn't have any interest in being part of the crowd. Can really give two fucks, and they become fast friends, uh, and they begin. Uh, an adventure that ultimately, uh, and, and spoilers for those of you who haven't read the first volume, but I need to recap it to talk about this the second volume, which I read this week. Um, effectively, they end up um, uh, through a, a mechanical mishap and, and some other shenanigans, realizing that the uh, they do vanquish the smoke, but they realize that uh, from from getting the city, but they do realize that there are things beyond the walls, and they had never considered that before. Uh, and so they set off beyond the walls. That's how the first book ends. So uh, volume two, also, of course, by first second, is called The Dam Keeper World Without Darkness uh, by the same creators. And it is picks up right where the first one left off. You've got uh, Pig and Fox, as, along with another schoolboy named Hippo, um, who was one of Pig's antagonists. Um, I'll, I'll stop short of calling him a bully, but but definitely someone that was mean to pig and, and, and uh, let's say like a flash Thompson type of situation. Um, but anyway, they go out onto this adventure and they, um, as they're walking, they come across another walled city. Um, only this one is massive. It's a, it's a megalopolis compared to their Shire, but, uh, but structurally it's the same. It's, it's, it's a walled city with lots of hustle and bustle within the walls, but uh, there are big, much bigger windmills that are, that are presumably there to keep smoke at bay. Um, but but then curiously, the, in this megalopolis, they're confused because there is smoke coming out of some of the windmills, um, which, of course, we know is about the industrialization and that the smog is really pollution. Right. And, and and they're in the country where they were growing up. They didn't know about this concept. And for them, it was poison. Uh, and they go on an adventure. They meet a, a, an uncle of theirs, quote unquote, uncle that's a, 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 a lizard of some sort and. He takes them on this wild adventure, and they, they, they just go far and wide. They travel far and wide and begin learning more and more about the world. Um, all the while, uh, Pig um, is seeing visions of um, flashbacks and memories of, of, of his father, uh, and, and things are starting to come back to him. Uh, and he gets the sense that he needs to get back to their town very soon to prevent uh, an impending disaster. Uh, and that's really the 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 second book is is them exploring the world, um, getting into some mishaps, some 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 near falls, um, seeing the relationship between uh, pig and fox strengthen. Pig get more and more confident in himself, um, seeing hippo defanged, if you will, and uh, go from being the uh, pain in the ass antagonist to someone that um, becomes a big grudging and then trusted friend of theirs. Um, so it's, it's, it's like a kid's buddy movie. It's like a, like a stand by me, uh, set in a, a fantasy land of, uh, of, um, of, of, 
of anthropomorphic creatures. Um, it's got a ton of heart. Um, it's really just about those central characters. There's not a ton. It's, it's kind of the antithesis of, of the book of the month in the sense that this is not, it is a story about a world being built before your eyes, but it's a simple world. It's, it's a world of uh, just a few characters and you're really just following their arc. Um, they make no attempt to try and expand beyond that. Um, but, uh, it's terrific, and, and the, we talked about it the, again the last time with the animation. It's extremely distinctive animation. To look at each page, it really does evoke, um, and I'm not even sure how it's rendered. I'm assuming since they are both longtime CGI animators that this book is, in fact, CGI. Um, but they they do an interesting treatment to it. And, and, you know, Vince, if you've seen the pages, maybe you could speak to it. I don't know. I've tried to Google, like, the process. It, it's not like, you know, when you see CGI and paper, sometimes it can look really glossy and fake. That's they, they go out of their way to not have that happen. It almost looks like uh, like paper at times as if they do the CGI modeling. And these are simple models, right? These are these are not complex models. Uh, so they render everything. But then they put almost like a, a I don't know if it's a screen or a wash or some kind of paper treatment. But it looks it, it very much softens everything. So, so it doesn't look glossy or rigid or plastic. It looks very, very organic, but again, not like in a, not in a realistic way, much more like as if you're looking at something that was a pastel on paper on like construction paper or something like that. Um, so, so visually it's quite distinctive and I'm not one for generally not one for CGI in my comics, but, um, but in this case, because of the way that they treat it and soften it. Uh, and make it look like something entirely new. Um, it works for me. It really does. Um, uh, yeah, and, and there's the cool thing is that uh, this book, Volume 2, came out, I think, in 17. And then the third and final book, or at least I think it's the final book, came out in the end of 18. And I have that as well. They were both two of the books that have been sitting in my pile here to read. And I just went down to the comic room and saw and thought, all right, let me grab this and read it. Um so again, it's a it's an all ages uh, animated anthropomorphic book about a bunch of kids going on a wild adventure to save their town, their shire, and uh, it's it's beautiful. It's uh, it's 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 quick. It's digest sized in terms of its dimensions, and I'm looking here. This volume was 153 pages, so uh, it's it's not gonna. You're not going to have to roll up your sleeves and spend a bunch of days reading this. You can read it in one sitting. Um, beautiful packaging, too. First Second does such a nice job at their packaging. The uh, There's this gold inlay for the for the fonts that uh, I just think is just gorgeous. And, again, this, the paper on the outside is similar to the way they treat the, the interior images. It's this, this really soft, almost pastel matte finish, which you don't see a lot. Um, so I'm just a huge fan of the packaging. I'm a huge fan of the book. And... Uh, and I think it's it's awesome, awesome all ages stuff. Apparently, there is a allegedly there is a a um, cartoon coming of this as well. Um, you know how that goes. Though. There's always they, they never buy that stuff until you actually see it on screen. But but allegedly they're working on a cartoon of it. So um, here's hoping that they turn it into a cartoon because it's uh it's wonderful. I think uh, applying the CGI tag to this is is conjuring images that would lead someone down the wrong road. It definitely looks digital, but it doesn't have the, the 
the earmarks of of CGI. It lo- looks like someone who has a really good command of light and yeah, shadow that, well, to me. Yeah, I mean that, that's what I was trying to convey. I guess is, he, uh, is that it 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 looks like it's it's like like they they do relatively simplistic modeling of the characters. Like you can you could see someone on a computer modeling these characters. Even maybe th- you'd see them in something like a. Uh, I don't know. Now, not Minecraft. That's too much like a 64 bit. But like, um, I don't know, like like one of those kinds of, of worlds, like a You're saying, Animal Crossing or like cell shaded. Yeah, like cell shaded. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the, they, but, mm-hmm. the the magic in this is the texture that's applied that's right. yeah, to exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. But they layer this textural effect to it. And again, I don't know if that's digital or if they do something uh, real world tangible. I, I don't know how they get to that effect it probably is another digital effect but but it's that layering of that skin over it if you will that yeah, it yeah. almost looks cloth like which i really find appealing yeah i uh, i don't care how you get to the end point as if it looks this good digital mm-hmm. physical couldn't care less uh i i just think it looks real good so proof is in the pudding um i don't know how they achieve the texture but it, it works yeah mm-hmm. yeah uh, this is really neat looking. Oh, yeah. Nice. Sweetness. <clears throat> I'm guessing Dap didn't read anything else? Uh, not, well. Um, it was taxing, I, wasn't it? Not ta- I shouldn't say taxing. No, no. It was a lot of work. No, just time consuming. That's yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it wasn't a chore. It didn't feel like home. No. But yes, it did not. It, it did not leave a lot of time for um, things to also be read during the week. But uh, one thing I did read before starting um, Rise and Fall was um, I was going through my emails and uh, went through the last um, image uh preview pdfs email and i um i grabbed a couple of things one of which uh was a series of cartoons by kieran dwyer and it is uh it's a hardcover that image uh had solicited to put out it was either going to be um towards the uh, is it gonna be some i think it was gonna be sometime this month but uh it is unprecedented uh which is basically uh Kieran Dwyer um making fun at uh, of the easy target that is um in quotes the president of our country and uh it is an introduction by Shannon Wheeler but basically it starts off with um uh Kieran says it was um that was 2016 he's um he uh he had um he was at uh, his neighborhood Pete's Coffee. It was a summer afternoon, and uh, he had his iPad, and he just started doodling. And it was um, it was the uh, the worry if um, if should the unthinkable occur, and Trump become president, and and the cartoon just kind of tumbled out, and and from that point on, um, he. After that, after he he quickly published that uh, that cartoon on social media, right from the the, the same iPad he was drawing it on, he um, found himself on social media every day, um, taking the latest news and and um, basically they were fodder 
for his new obsession of documenting this slow-moving disaster in real time through cartoons. Uh, it felt great to be back doing something personal and reflective uh, of my personal vision after so long working on other people's ideas. I hadn't had such a direct pipeline from my mind to an audience since my um, LCD, lowest common denominator, in the early 2000s, which LCD is being collected and um, is in the most recent uh, April previews in the image section but um so yeah so uh as we near the 2020 election they um they they being karen and image have collected um the cartoons he's done uh since uh 2016 2017 and um i i really really like his uh his 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 version of trump he's even got the uh scotch tape on the back of the tie um when the situation calls for it but yeah it's it's and a lot of it brought back um memories good or bad uh because of things that were said in the news or trump's actions uh, so i know exactly where kieran's mind was uh and kind of know where i was when the a particular uh cartoon was um was made available but it's um yeah he he does uh doesn't like the man at all. This this will this fits nicely for those of us who uh, have little Donnie or um, or me the people by Pia on on their shelves. It, it this right next to it uh, or and and because Shannon put out the um, the book from IDW shit my president shit the president says which uh, was a collection of Trump's actual tweets in the form of. Um, of cartoons, but yeah, no, this, it, it didn't, this was one of those things where I enjoyed it in the sense that, um, I can appreciate, um, the mocking or, 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 or the spoofing, um, doesn't necessarily make me feel good about the state of the world. Um, because this isn't, you know, you. I'd like to be able to look at this and say, "Oh, that'd be funny." Imagine if that actually happened. What that'd be such a shit show. But I mean, it actually is happening. So it's it's not exactly um, all sorts of happy stuff. But it, it's uh, to to see a artist um, and an artist who, who has worked um, on Marvel properties and and. Um, you're familiar with his style in, in one way or another um, to see. I, I appreciated this offering because we got um, like some, like, like Mike and, and like Pia, they, they were taking the news they were just and, and, and the events and, and the world we're living in and as an outlet um, putting pen to paper and, and uh, digitally or otherwise. And, um, kind of just either fighting back or getting out of their system or, or um, just you can't keep it, can't keep it bottled up. You can't, um, it needs to be a release. And uh, I saw a few of these over the years uh, when, when, when they were posted online, but um, not all of them. So uh, for the most part, I smiled. I I, um, didn't openly weep, but there were, um, (laughs) It, this was it's a solid collection I, I believe it's a hardcover um but yeah there were uh he and and it's not it's not just trump it's 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 
Putin, it's it's Bannon, it's Conway. There's uh, basically everybody um, in the circle. It's McConnell. It's Sesh- it, there doesn't everything that um, all, all all the nightmares from the past three plus years um, are uh, are told in one panel strips uh, in this in this book. So yeah, I um I I knew what it was. Go- I knew what. It was going to be more or less. I just didn't know um, how it was going to to look, really, or be presented, or or how how um, hard hitting, if you could say, um, it was going to be. And it's it's not. Um, there there's no there's no light pawing at at the subject matter at this. It's um, Kieran does not uh, pull his punches at all. But yeah, if um, if you, when you're out and about and it, it finally makes the light of day, if if um, if you have those other collections from uh, the other artists I mentioned, um, this would uh, fit in nicely with um, with everything else on your shelf. You are a much more resilient man than myself. <laughs> I wouldn't. I I wouldn't. Couldn't touch it. And and we have friends like Mike Norton, who has produced uh, a book with yeah. uh, with Trump as the uh, focal point. And I can't. I just can't. I can't. Well, uh, it's, and it's not. It's not because of a lack of quality in the material. It, it's sure. the, the little puppy who has its nose shoved in shit. Right, um, no, I, I, I I don't need to have my nose shoved in shit again. Uh, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. uh, I'm. Uh, I'm and I I love Karen Dwyer. I I just I, I there would be you know me I love to have myself pushed into uncomfortable territory. This sure. is this is not <laughs> the uncomfortable I'm looking for. Well, th- that's that's pretty much what I and and again and this is this was this I I, I believe I mentioned it in the previous video when it was solicited. Um, so I knew it was coming when I saw the image PDFs. As I like, well, let me see what it was about. But it but what you just said is was pretty much the reason why. Um, I was the the outlier that year. You and you and Jason, you two both picked Lil Donnie for your favorite webcomic. Yes, and, because and, it, it, no. it, it was it was brave. It was a bold move, right. and the right. quality was there. But um, I have a collection on your shelf. I get it. Yeah, As, no, yeah, um, yeah, like a, a a tablespoonful of piss. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I got the taste now. I don't mm-hmm. need to take another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one Trump book, uh, Warren Craghead's Trump Trump, only because I like the way Craghead draws. And it's basically the same thing on every page, just different variations of Trump melting into this uh, <laughs> globular, disgusting creature. It's more mm. for it's more for the drawing than it is for the content. Sure. So, uh, but uh, more power to the guys that need to have the catharsis of producing a work which which burns that that layer off. I mean, you got to do it. Do it. And more power to you. I can't read it. I can't. No. I, I just can't. That's that's my Achilles. My Achilles heel. Yeah, I can't do it. Completely understandable. Yeah. No need to defend it, my my dude. You, you do you. It's your week three. I get it. It's fine. It definitely is. Yes. And I know how powerful a statement that is. It is. 
All right, everybody. Hey, we thank you very, very much for being here on this, our book of the month, The Rise and Fall of the Trigon Empire, written by Mike Butterworth, illustrated by Don Lawrence, appearing from Rebellion. Uh, remember to solicit our sponsor, dcbservice.com. They are the best at what they do. And the when the machine um, starts turning again, they'll be at the forefront. No doubt in my mind. dcbservice.com. It's Dark Horse Month, Down 99, all those three things. Go get them. Um, in your travels, apparently, I had far too much time on my hands because my In Your Travels mm -hmm. is even more dense as our book the of the hell month. Did you say? Yeah, no, it is. Jabus. Even more dense as Trigon Empire. It's around the same page count, 307 pages. It was published by Comic Mix. And it is. Ah, uh, yes. The Deadbeats Omnibus Volume 1, written and penciled by Richard Howell, inks by Ricardo Villagran. Uh, hands down, my all-time favorite vampire epic in any, mm -hmm. in any medium. Now, remember, Tomb of Dracula is a contender. I like this more than Tomb of Dracula. Blasphemy to some, maybe. But, um... I never met a Claypool comic I didn't like. Mm -hmm. So these were originally published by Clay Claypool Comics back in the day. This volume contains uh, issues 1 to 12. Um, I said it on our Slack. Uh, think Bill Paxton in Near Dark with a little bit of Lost Boys thrown in. You, you, can't, you can't really get away from the Lost Boys. You're talking 90s, right? Um, sure. It's the story of Kirby and Mason Collier. Uh, two brothers, displaced. They live with their grandparents um, in uh, Mystic Grove, Connecticut, a, a city that has been dubbed Fear City because of all of the stuff, the weird, weird, weird stuff that goes on in it. Um, the cool thing about Claypool Comics back in the day was, like the original Valiant, all of the books were connected. So... Characters from Soul Searchers and Company would appear in Deadbeats. And Elvira's frequently mentioned, um, not as a character, more as a media personality. So it's not like Elvira walks into the stage. But at the time, Claypool was also publishing Elvira's comic. Um, and Phantom of Fear City, the events of that 12-issue series, factor heavily into the events of Deadbeats. But what is it? It's a war between vampires. The Deadbeats are uh, a group of centuries-old vampires. One of them is called Dodger. Oi, mate! He talks with the, you know, the, the affected um, language. And what they do is they bring in a recruit, a recently turned vampire, who just so happens is the son of the mayor of Mystic Grove. And they call him Southie. His last name's Southland. And they won't tell him what's going on. They string him along. You go do your thing, Mr. Leaderman. We'll go do ours. And we'll eventually tell you what's going on. Turns out there's a war between the Deadbeats and this King Hermano, which is a, a, the vampire king. And every hundred years, they battle. And the winner of the battle gets to determine the the rights and privileges of the vampires for the next hundred years. 
So they bring in Southie because his dad's the mayor, and there's all these machinations that go on. Um, Southie takes um, a mate, so to speak. He bites um, the daughter of a uh, notable uh, Mystic Grove uh, socialite. Her name's Brittany, and he calls her Brit Babe. Yo, Brit Babe, I love you. So think ripped jeans, mullet, punk, you know. Um, so he's not supposed to turn anybody. There's a very, very strict limit on the amount of vampires you, you create because every vampire you create weakens you. So mm-hmm. they, they, they want to be at full potency. Um, there's a, a woman in the Deadbeats called Martine. She's French. I, I love this book. I, I, I always did. And I'm so glad that uh, Comic Mix published it in omnibus format because Claypool comics were hard to come by. Even when you pre-ordered them back in the day, the comic shop owner would devote, you know, the lion's share of the budget to Marvel and DC. Chances were good, depending on your comic shop, um, that you didn't get it. So my run of Deadbeats is spotty from like issue 50 up. So it's there's two volumes published to date, uh, collecting the first 24 issues. The third, I believe, was solicited. Who knows if it's ever going to get published now? But um, there's an omnibus for Phantom of Fear City, which was only 12 issues, so that's done. And there was two Soul Searchers omnibuses. I think it's a great idea that Comic Mix is is corralling all this Claypool uh, love because they made really good comics. The the team of, of Howell and Villagran are amazing. Um, in fact, uh, Deadbeats contains my single favorite panel in any vampire comic it's just an amazing gorgeous panel i won't say what it is because you don't really care but that that's how much i love deadbeats i think it is an amazing achievement now it's not for everybody jason would make about three pages into it and he'd tap out why because it's extremely dense the there are captions and dialogue balloons aplenty and howell writes he alternates between extremely believable and lifelike dialogue to the most flowery flowery bombastic over the top overblown dialogue you have ever read um he's you could tell from the writing that he's an extremely intelligent and well-read individual at times the deadbeats who are a bunch of punks albeit a hundred year old but they'll quote like obscure literary works or uh southie who's just a a a punk kid will quote shakespeare and yeah it fits the situation but it doesn't necessarily fit the character so Mm. he's a bit too smart for his characters in some sequences but i don't really care it it works for me i i giggle because it's just like oh boy here we go he's he's quoting this this literary work that only people above a certain income bracket could have the the uh, opportunity to to read right it's just some super literati piece of 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 literature and and you have a vampire quoting it like give me a break but it's okay because it works for me it's just so silly and kitschy and over the top I, i love every single line of every panel of deadbeats so if you're looking for something to to read and it i'll tell you it took me longer to read this than the trigon empire 
it's only wow. twelve. It's only twelve issues. So, yeah. um, Comic Mix, Deadbeats Volume One. The retail's twenty five bucks on this, but I'm sure you could find it for less than that. Go to In Stock Trades. I bet you it's cheaper. It's worth every flame and penny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go get it. Yeah, I remember those ads back in the day. Uh, and Elvira will never dead. ever be reprinted. I don't. I, I believe so it. if you have back issues of Elvira, hold on to them. Because and if you don't want them, send them to me. But um, <laughs> I, I guess the rights have lapsed a long time ago. Even on their. Um, oh, and here's the cool thing. This is this was the thing I wanted to drop on you. Even though Claypool Comics does not exist anymore, and Deadbeats I think lasted eighty. 80 some issues mm-hmm. dap because that's the only one of the three of us is going to care besides me guess what that's a really nice way of saying jason's uh, not going to care you're not um guess what dap what they still being published today if you go to the claypool website they're still creating deadbeat strips even after um, all these years how many issues it's... could that total like that's crazy. That's that is crazy because we're talking ninety. So I mean, are, are they published from Comics Mix or no? They're just... published right on the website. You can go okay, to the, you okay. can go to the Claypool website, read them for free. But if you're, it's I have to admit the stuff that uh, Howell and Villagran are doing now does not look like the stuff from back in the day. <laughs> it's very it's very loose. Right. That doesn't mean to say that it's not good. It's very good. It's just it's not in the same mold as the original Deadbeats comic. But it's still the same storyline. In in April of 2020, there are new Deadbeat strips being put on their website. That blew my mind when I saw it. Like, That's I got a lot to read now. And it's it's all free. You can read it all for Well, not all gotta of it. Gotta love the free. Yeah. So, Deadbeats. I'm going to shut up now. That's awesome. Um... In your travels, since I mentioned the 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 image preview, something else I start. I haven't finished this yet um, because I'm just I'm I'm looking at at the artwork and I love it. Um, but I was reading the uh, I am currently reading volume one, the prelude of Firepower by Robert Kirkman and Chris Somney with Matt Wilson and Russ Wooten, and um, it is uh, it's. Neat. Uh, I um, art-wise, there's um, Chris is a little, uh, maybe a little looser and, and uh, a lot more open. Um, Wilson, he's giving Wilson a lot to color here. Uh, it, it's not the usual. Um, it's not the negative space you'll see with Chris's commissions. Uh, it, it's, I think it's a little bit more bright than, uh, than his daredevil work, but you can still tell it's, it's Chris Somni and, and the, uh, the action sequences, cause it's, it's a lot of, a lot of Kung Fu and, and martial arts at the start. Um, but it starts off with a, uh, with a, uh, a young man traveling or, or, or crossing the mountains, trying to, um, find, this uh this mystical land uh and um and he is met by uh, an older gentleman who 
admonishes him from the start. Do you dare set foot on the sacred steps of the Temple of the Flying Fist uninvited? And um, they exchange words, and um, the old man eventually allows the younger gentleman to uh, to enter. And, and uh, it's, it's a great starting point because we are learning about the sacred temple at the same time. And um, so it, it, it works for me in that regard. The storytelling is, is fine. Um, but we, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm only a handful of pages into it. Haven't met everybody in it yet, but uh, so far all the characters are, those that have met are either amusing or, are setting things up so that um, we'll have a um, an antagonist later. But yeah, I um, I was curious. I a I was extremely ecstatic to to, to see that we were going to get um, a new Chris Omni drawn book. Um, but yes, I, when you when you see someone with a um, with a glowing or a um, someone who can give off heat with his fists and martial arts is involved. It's, it's very easy to make the comparison to iron fist. Um, So it's, it's, and considering this ancient land um, could remind people of Kayan Lun. There's just, um, that's fine. And, everything needs to have an origin or, or, or setting uh, where the stories can then take off from. Uh, that's, that's where I want to go. I, I want to see now, now that, okay, we have the premise that that's the elevator pitch. If you want to call it that. And, and okay. It, it sounds very much like iron fist. Okay, great. Now show me why it's different. Now, now, now give me a story that, that will let me not compare it so much or think about iron fist when I'm reading it. And, and, and that's where I'm hoping we're getting to in this, um, in this first volume, the first volume, well, the PDF is, is over 150 pages, but, um, I know that when we had the, this graphic novel was announced after the free comic book day. And then in the April previews, the first two issues were solicited. So, um, there, I don't know how long Chris has been working on this, but, but that's a lot of pages in, in, in a short amount of time. So, um, um, I'm excited to see where the story is going, but, uh, but yeah, I, um, this is another, I don't know. I, I don't know what anybody's plans are for digital releases. I don't know if image is going to release this through comiXology, um, or if they'll have it available. Um, I, I, I think May 20th is when we heard diamond may be shipping books. I, 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 didn't dig too far into the news, so I don't know when this is coming out. But as of right now, um, the 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 couple dozen pages I'm, I'm into this, I'm I'm enjoying it. So when you get a chance, um, uh, by all means, uh, for the art alone, it, if you're a Kirkman fan, okay, great. But 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 for the art alone, um, I'm I'm telling you in your travels, definitely recommending Firepower. I'm glad to hear it, because uh, uh, 
like you said, it's uh, it's it's an interesting combo platter here because you got Kirkman who, I mean, he puts out a lot of other books that nobody talks about, uh, ourselves included. But then you got Somni who we haven't seen Somni do something like this in a minute. So I'm yeah. I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Uh, in your travels, I read a book that has been sitting on my shelf for a long time, and I'm just in, as I said the last few episodes, I've just been trying to kind of close my mind, walk into my comic room, look around and grab something that I have not read before and just see where it takes me. Um, and this was, I think, the subconscious reason why this stuck out to me this time versus many other times of it just being on my shelf is that the writer of this book is um, about to have his dream television show hit the air. I'm speaking about Jeff Johns, whose Stargirl is going to hit the air uh, in a few weeks on May 18th on the CW. It'll be another Arrowverse show. Um, but uh, in thinking of Johns, um, I feel as though I'm pretty well read in terms of Jeff Johns, all of his major, major runs that have kind of elevated him to quote unquote Jeff Johns status. Um, but the one thing which is arguably the thing that put him on the map as a DC powerhouse that gave him all the subsequent opportunities um, was his flash run. And I uh, continue to watch the flash TV show with, uh, with my youngest son, even I'm not going to say it's, it's high, high art that show, but there is a lot of heart to it and we do watch it. And uh, I just, I'm woefully unread when it comes to Flash's character. Um, I've read a ton of him in events and in team books, but I have read precious few um, flash titular flash issues. Um, so sitting on my shelf was the F- Jeff Johns, the flash omnibus volume one. And uh, so I pulled that puppy off and I gave it a read and I read the whole thing this week uh, that this, this volume collects the flash number 164 through 176 the Flash, Our Worlds at War, number one. The Flash, Iron Heights miniseries. And The Flash, Secret Files, number three. Um, now, full disclosure, I was, for a millisecond, going to put the, sh- the book back on the shelf when I saw that one of the three credited artists is Ethan Van Skyver. Yeah. But here's the truth. But let's, let's, let's be honest with ourselves. When Ethan was doing this book, he was considered a reasonably big star in big two and, and was not, he was not at least at this point, the Ethan Van Skyver we now know and despise. Right. So I thought, you know what? That's silly. Like, like this is one of those times where I can put the art before the artist. Cause I, especially back then when this book came out, this is, I mean, it's, it's a Jeff, this is a Jeff Johns thing more than it's an Ethan thing. Um, anyway, so, so I, I said, you know what? That's silly. Let's, let's give it a shot. And, and to my, my, I'm happy to say, uh, even though he is credited, he, he doesn't draw a lot of this volume. Um, he does the Iron Heights book uh, miniseries, which I had actually read, oddly enough. I don't remember why, but I had actually read it because I was remembering that part. But um, but for the most part, this is a Scott Collins and an Angel uh, Unzietta book. Um, I don't know that we've ever uttered Angel Unzietta's name before in all the years we've done the show. I could definitely say I haven't. Have you? No, or haven't. No, have not. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because he is the main artist in this run, like more so than Scott Collins. Because all the years I haven't read this, 
when I think of John's Flash, the two artists I feel that get bandied about are Van Skyver and, and Collins. Um, and I'm imagining, because there are subsequent volumes of this, that maybe they do more of those volumes. Maybe, I don't know if, if Angel just was one of the early artists and then kind of disappears. But uh, it's interesting because he clearly was a big-time, consistently working artist for DC back in the early aughts. And uh, it just is a reminder of how fleeting fame can be in this industry. Um, but nevertheless, I thought this was terrific. Um, I uh, I assume most of our listeners know that this is a Wally West uh, book, um, given the timeline. But uh, um, it's it felt a lot like the character I've come to know on the TV show and in the limited team exposure I've had with him ton of heart, a lot of energy, bit of a humor, um, just found it great. And, and I think the thing that I had heard about this, that certainly rings true. And one of the things that gave John's a lot of, uh, rub is that he takes, um, meticulous care in his run to beef up the rogues and to make them, fascinating characters on their own uh and it gets back to that anti-hero thing we were talking about earlier and that's very much present here very much um from leonard snart to mirror master he spends as much time making you care about what happens to them or at least being interested versus caring but being interested in their actions and their motivations as as you do the flash and um i was surprised how quickly i poured through this uh, I will say that, um, and in particular with Unzietta, the art is of its time. Um, you know, it is it is art that I think evokes a feeling of the late '90s, early early aughts, um, and, and not neither good nor bad. It's 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 totally competent. And I think if you were reading this off the shelf at the time, it would have looked like a lot of other books. So uh, take of it what you will. But but it's exaggerated, and, and I will say in 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 certain cases, the Flash is drawn very muscular. I don't know if Daps ever had issue with that, but it reminded me of like much like you get kind of bent out of shape, justifiably so, when uh, people draw Cyclops all swole. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that that Unzietta in particular, but Collins too to an extent, draws the Flash pretty swole in a lot of issues. Um, another thing, you know, and again, I if he listens to this, I apologize. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Scott Collins' art, particularly like what I've seen of it in in more recent runs on DC or as an art collector, he's one of those artists that even though he's been at a lot of cons, every time I pull up his commissions on calf, I'm just like, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean? I just, I'm never, just doesn't quite float my boat, but I don't know what to make of that because the Scott Collins in this run is freaking beautiful. And it seems very different to me than what I've seen of him in more recent years. So maybe you guys are more ready with that because you've read more Collins art. It seems to me like he has changed his style over the years. Um, and he certainly isn't alone in doing that. We've talked about a lot of artists over the years that kind of were our thing and then stopped being our thing. But but uh, I, I really dug what I saw here. Uh, it's clean. It's got a really thick line, like a soft palette. Uh, I liked it a lot. Like I, I thought it had a bit of a, a Steve Dillon vibe to it. Uh, but like cleaner, you know, like not as like not as ugly, you know, in terms of the faces, like prettier people. Um, I liked it a lot. I really did. And I was pleasantly surprised by that because that was another reason I never felt compelled to read this before, because I, I just figured I wasn't a huge Collins fan. But I stand corrected there, at least in terms of his 
this period of his career. So all in all, it was a, it was a treat. It was a treat. And I get it. I, I can see how this ability to define characters and to be a character driven book uh, is what helped get John's subsequent books that he obviously built into becoming one of DC's powerhouses. So um, I, I presume both of you read most of this off the shelves. Yep. Not a lot of it. Was that, I was, this, I, was the, was this the broke broke period for you? Like, were you not buying many comics? I know there was that period of time. Yeah, no, there, there wasn't. Um, partly that. Um, the, I mean, I was glad that uh, just like, just like Johns did with with Hal with Green Lantern Rebirth, as as you know, mm-hmm. I was happy to see Barry back. Um, but I think there was something. I, it was mostly the look, because Rebirth was drawn by um, Van Skyver. Also, he just happens to be lucky enough to be. I mean, the same thing. He, he's he's in the Morrison X Men on the bus. He just happens to be yeah, yeah. attached to, to to some pretty big writers and and, and events. Um, but I wasn't really feeling. Um, the look of like like you said he was just he he, he was kind of big um but yeah I, I think yes i wasn't reading a lot um but there wasn't anything really that that moved me that that wasn't something where like if 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 okay if i'm if i'm going to read something um the flash this particular run wasn't uh open intended wasn't one that uh, was um on my list Hmm. Did you enjoy it, Vince, back in the day? Yeah, I respect and and um, I respect your opinion, but for my money, Collins is the best modern day Flash artist, hands down. Well, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm more not, than no, more than I'm just. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I like I like no, Howard I, Porter. Well, because you you you're you're, you're loving oh, okay. you're loving the Howard Porter stuff. Oh, I love I, I, stuff. Por- yeah. You can't go wrong with Porter. I think right. Everything he touches turns out to be just gorgeous, uh, but. I, I, Collins is the guy I identify with why I love modern day, well, not now, but then modern day Wally West. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just think he has the right aesthetic for the speed aspect of the book. It is, it is, a, I, I, I should make it clear, uh, it is a stunning contrast. Uh, Unzietta, Vanskyver, and Collins are very different. I mean, the art in this book is there's three distinctly different styles. Yeah. Um, but no, I, well, that, that, that's kind of what my point though. I, 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 I have seen Collins more recent stuff. And again, it's more also his commissions and I've been like, nah, I'm good. But, uh, but it does like, I, something about what was in here was fantastic. Yeah. I, I, ripped Wally just makes sense. It's kind of like Danny from, this, from okay, next yeah, man. Um, if I'm, I'm if you're running at head. at gigantic speeds, but see, no, that's your legs are going to be ripped. Mad, okay, mad so, fast but his like, muscles no, aren't going to be developed. Okay, now, well, but uh, like a but a, a runner doesn't have isn't swole because you wouldn't be. No, they're not swole, but their twitch. legs are it's ripped. Fast twitch versus slow twitch, though. A runner's legs aren't swole; they're ripped. No, no a sprinter's <laughs> legs are swole. Who's the 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 biggest sprinter on the planet? The Flash. Yeah, I don't like, know if you want to give him thighs, but but you don't. I, it, I don't. It looks like dude can bench yeah, four thirty. Right. The the, uh, the I I was thinking of EVS on on the later so the, for the 
on the Flash Rebirth stuff, which was when Barry came back. This is the Wally stuff, which I wasn't reading. But um, the Wally, Wally being, I when Wally <laughs> took over and and, <laughs> and became Flash. Oh, see, he because because Mike Barron was writing it back then. When mm-hmm. post post crisis, when when Barry died. Wally was cured because his speed was killing him during the Titan stuff. And and so when Wally was cured and he became the Flash, yes, he made a point that, you know, yeah, he's got to eat because his, his metabolism and, and so he's always going to run. He's always got to eat. That that was that. I, I could see Wally being built a little bigger than Barry. Um, but where Danny from the next man comes into play is that from the waist up dude was built like a 13 year old boy. It was his thighs <laughs> that were massive because he did run. That was what I thought was neat about Burns whole idea is that everybody's power modified, altered the, the part of, of their body that their power emanates from or manifests from or or whether it was uh homeboy's eyes or or danny's thighs it's like you know yeah danny danny needs the cavariches because of the big room in, in in the thigh so you know it it made sense they're not going to draw the flash like that all, mm-hmm. all malformed and and out of proportion but um but there's a big difference between danny and and wally in the real world, mm-hmm. I, I know it doesn't apply, but in the real world, if your body metabolized food that quickly and you ran at that, those kind of speeds, you would burn off fat like a motherfucker, mm-hmm. leaving you'd muscle. You'd be super lean. Right. You, right, but you'd be super lean. You'd also be super developed. You're, you're also moving your arms when you run. No, but all right. Here, all see, right. but look at a swimmer's you, body compared to... Like, look at American uh, Ninja Warrior. Like those dudes are are tight. They're like they're they're skinny and wiry. Or like uh, it's 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 again it's fast twitch versus slow twitch. Like a a power lifter is bulky. A professional wrestler is bulky because they have strength, but they have no stamina. But to be a person that can run for miles and miles and miles, you you like and a, you know you look you look at the bodies of like a Carl Lewis or or, or the great marathoners. I mean they're they're they don't have any body fat, yeah. And if they have their shirts off, they got eight packs, yes. But they don't have gigantic pecs and gigantic biceps because it, it that's just extra mass. They're, they're also tough. not moving their limbs millions and millions of times. Like when you run with two five-pound weights in each hand, you're going to build up muscle just because it's a, it's a, it's it's a an almost insignificant amount of weight, but you're moving your arms and and lifting the weight. Even if you have no weight in your, your arms, you're still using the muscle to lift your arm. If you do that millions and millions of times, you're not going to develop your muscles? Come on. Think about it. When, while he runs around the planet, how many times does he move his arms? Is it even calculable? And he's doing it constantly, Right. And so you're not telling me those muscles wouldn't get developed? Dude. I think they'd be really ripped, like in terms of like no fat, but they wouldn't be bulky. Well, at least not Hulk sized. He's just like like well look built. At, like look at the dudes that are the greatest, like all the people that men and women that are that are the, the um 
that that do all the the wall climbing you know like mm-hmm. they're, they're like spiders like spider-man they have body, like it, they're they're super strong they can lift more than their body weight easily but it's it's all in the service of 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 the motion of the body like large muscles inhibit motion like one of the re- like one of the re- things that NFL players get hurts off is because they're so bulky that their muscles aren't meant to move that way and they get tears all the time. I, like baseball baseball players, same thing. Like if they put on too much weight, they get hurt because they're not it, that kind of muscle isn't meant to be fluid in motion. Well, I don't remember Colin's Wally being batisticized. Like he's not that. No, that, dude, you're you're. I don't. I think you're you're, you're getting seen now. No one said Collins overdrew him. I no. said that Van Skyver and Un, 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 and and Unzieta make him all swole. Oh, Collins is beautiful. His, okay. his he is he is well, his, Collins is very much the guy is very much proportional. I honestly don't even remember the the uh, um I forget what is his name Unzieta. Unzieta I don't even remember <laughs> to yeah. be honest with no, you. Co- Collins is straight up normal sized dude. Yeah, well, Van Skyver takes liberties with everything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah, let's project. <laughs> no, listen I'm, again. I'm agreeing. Collins' art is beautiful in the, in the Flash. So yeah. you should really. I mean, you have subsequent subsequent <laughs> um, editions. Look at the way Collins um, refines his style over time. I think towards the the later period, uh, he gets even better. Like he's just incredible. Yeah, I, to be honest, I don't think I have any because I ordered this. Probably out of excitement, and then when I didn't ever read it, I thought, "Well, so I don't think I have the other volumes, but I'm sure they're in print." Oh yeah, I hope. Yeah, that's that's an omnibus series I would love to have. I don't. I I I think I have the issues um, mm-hmm. around here somewhere, but uh, to read them all again would Herculean effort to find them all. So mm-hmm. I, I think I need those omnibus omnibuy. Yeah, I love Wally. Not a good decision too, yeah. to make Barry the Flash. Nope, not. Nope. <laughs> oh, so cute. Who the hell can relate to Barry? He's the old dude. Yeah, bring the old dude in. Let's. Wally was relatable. Oh, old dude, like. Well, not now, but he dude. should be. He should be as old as. Um, well, he should be older than Bruce. No. They're contemporaries. Well, they they all should be old men at this point. But, oh, yeah, I'm not. What I'm saying like it seems like an odd. Like that seems like an odd hill. Well, while he was, on. while he's, come on, Teen Titans. The the yeah, the, the teen is right bats, there. Soups and bats would be like in their sixties right now. Yeah, Dark Knight. That should be the status quo. Dark Knight should be the status quo. <laughs> You're <laughs> yeah, little little bit of of gray on the temple, Superman, like in Kingdom Come. Yes, do it right. <laughs> Spoken like a, uh, a dude in his fifties. Mm-hmm. Oh, good lord! I'm good glad lord. you're reading that stuff. Um, you have the JSA ones too, right? Yes, but well, I, re- I mean, uh, that's well, JSA read, was a book of the month. I read John's Ju- Justice Society. Uh, All of it off the shelf. Oh, yeah, nice, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's the that's thing that I got you up. DC. Uh, I read, uh, when I started reading DC heavy, heavy, it was, uh, he was on those books and he was on Teen Titans, or had just done Teen Titans. And I had read, I went and, I remember going to Midtown Comics actually and buying all the trades and reading it. So I, there was a period of time early in my DC where Johns was the guy. And so I read pretty much everything he wrote 
either as it was coming out or had picked up stuff that he had just done except for this Flash stuff. You know what baffles me? Why isn't Eagle Sham uttered with the same kind of reverence as Jim Lee? Like, for my money, well, I think Eagle Sham should be, uh, of the guys currently working, Eagle Sham should be one of those top money guys that just sells gajillion book. Well, uh, what could sell gajillion books? But sells a lot. Like, Eagle Sham, I think, is a heavy, heavy hitter. Like, why is he not on everybody's lips? I don't know. He's right. he's as good as Jim Lee. I think. He I think he's way up there. But he, he, I don't know, maybe it's the projects he decides to work on or because I mean working on Sinestro is not going to get you a ton of followers. He but from to my eyes, I look at Eagle Sham's artwork and I'm like this guy is like the one of the best of the best. Yeah, I would. His work on Justice Society of America was incredible. I agree. Absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is for me. That is my. That's my favorite Jeff Johns book. I I, I love that book. I. Uh, it and it's interesting because I know a lot of people, yourself included, always were pining to have Legion back. Um, although curiously, you don't talk about Legion much now that he's back. Okay, don't um, but well, for me, I, I've been desperate for Justice Society to come back. It is. Uh, it was. It was scheduled to come back after the the yeah, five. Yeah, no, no, I know. Yeah, five K or five G or whatever mm-hmm. the hell it's called. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I agree with you. Eagle, Shum, I just think Eagle Shum's one of those guys that uh, it's tough when you say he's as good as Jim Lee because obviously oh, that's subjective. I, I, I definitely think he is. Yeah. No, no, I, I understand you think he is, but I, I'm sure a lot of people are throwing their iPhones across the room at that. History Hope you have otherwise, but I'm with you. I would I would prefer to read a Dale Edison drawn comic than a Jim Lee oh, drawn comic. A million times over, yeah. But historically speaking, Jim Lee's got an impeccable resume. He does, he does, but he also doesn't litter the the narrative with gigantic panels just to show how good he can draw. We already know you can draw good. Well, I should say, Eagle Sham serves the story. He does. He and Jones had that Shazam book that was supposed to be hot, but it wasn't. It, it looks good. It does, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, Eagle Shem's Fantastic Four is, is up I there. Q Dap saying, but he drew him too big. <laughs> oh, yeah. His, his, read, his read's buff. He drew a nice ass on Susie. But his Hell, yeah, he did. His read's a little muscular. See, I don't mind the read being muscular because Reed can, Reed can look however the fuck he wants to look. I know, right? right? But he, and it's it's it, it's the um, it was the the Mishima and and the the Buckler look. It wasn't um, that's yeah. Rich's Rich's read is slender, buff. Which is why Burns room slender? Yeah, and that's kind of the way it was. But um, every once in a while. Somebody will will, will draw him with fucking traps and lats and and uh, yeah. and and that's where where Dale came in. But Eagle Sham Susie, slap oh, me, God. just slap oh, me back to consciousness. Oh. He drew he drew Susie like an IG hoe. Stop yeah. it! Why would like you? A Pixar not, mom, like a Pixar mom. Susie is truck. an IG hoe. I'm saying he drew her like an IG hoe, like like thick in all the right spots. He used the word the, the word hoe and Susie in the same sentence. Ah. Well, I also said she was. Taking it in the back door from Namor earlier, so I choose to hear what I want to hear. <laughs> but if I bring up MJ, all of a sudden you're oh, Slutterama. She's right. terrible. 
she, yeah, she's that the woman in the gift where they're throwing hot dogs at her face. That's she's, that's yeah, there you go. <laughs> she's not even an IG hoe. She's a Vero hoe. <laughs> no, she's a Seriously. poor she's a poor star a porn hub star. How they do the 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 living room videos on the Pornhub? That's MJ. Please look my, at me. My kids make fun of me because I'm always throwing out the animated gifts, and they're like, "Dad, that's like animated gifts are like you're so old." I, they're like that. No, I've come I'm around. Like, I've come. I think they're they're no, very. I know, but you're all, you were also old, and in, in their defense to that argument, <laughs> their point is like memes are where it's at, and I'm like, I don't know, memes aren't that funny. You guys laugh at. I don't think. Nah, funny. I don't think a lot of them are forced. A lot of memes are very very forced. Aren't I clever? No, not really. No. And I, I don't like the meta thing about memes. Like with the kids, like they, I've tried to get them to explain it to me where there'll be a meme, <laughs> there'll be a meme and like it'll be popular, but then there's like a thousand plays on that meme. Coral. You know what I don't I don't yeah, Coral. <laughs> you dick. The <laughs> That's the best meme ever. Um I I think a, a crucial component of the meme is the nudge nudge wink wink aren't we a hundred trendy and exclusive and here's a meme that capitalizes on a dark shadowy tiktok video that a, a, a thousand people have seen but only if you're on tiktok and they make a meme of it and people like me are looking at like i have no idea what the frig you're talking about oh yeah i remember right when the uh covid staying same place thing happened which like what 17 years ago whenever it was when we all had to stop working um i remember there was like some kind of those things like, i don't know if it was buzzfeed it was one of those buzzfeed type sites and it was like oh the hundred best memes of the decade you know like that thing so wow thought, oh, this is something i could talk to my kids about there's an exercise you know? in futility right there no of course but i so i said hey kids got this list here it's all right lay it on me pops so I started reading them down the list. And like in the 100 to 80, say, they were they were doing the video. It's like, oh, that's the truth. Yeah, that's good. Oh, that's pretty – that's legit. But then as you got up like more towards the ones that this list said were the top memes of the decade, they were like, oh, those are trash. Those are like normie memes. Normie, that's what they say. Like those are the memes. <laughs> See what I mean? Yeah, it's like – Yeah, it's like, like the, the exclusive the club. On the, list, the number two on the list was that one of the uh, – of the the woman yelling and then the cat, you know, uh-huh. yep. yeah, a thousand versions of it, and they were like, "Oh, that's the most normie meme of all time!" Like, like that's something you old people like, as if like that means it's not funny. I'm like, but it can be just because old people like it, we can still it can still be funny. Like that's, yes. but to right. them it isn't. That yeah, it will never trust no. anyone over thirty, right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, it's funny. The things that enraptures these kids is, is just a mystery to me but i will say something happened i think it was last week um vinnie came out of Fortnite and he was like yo that was so dope and i'm like what's up he's like this rapper person had a a concert in the Fortnite. like that's that's cool to me that they yeah. that they would oh, cross pollinate yeah. like that and and have a real world person with a Fortnite skin on like it was the person that it, it is in real life in the Fortnite doing like a concert that is really cool to me. Well, it's it's you you. I mean, if you're going to bring up Fortnite in last week, then that's that was sort of big news. I mean, for sure, but uh, but the big news of. Uh, uh, of last week on Fortnite was not Travis Scott. The big news was that 
You know Domino. who it was? Domino joined it. Yeah, he called her Dalmatian. I'm like, what are you talking? He's like, there's dumb, that Dalmatians in in Fortnite. Wait, I'm like, he's called her Dom- Dalmatian. He doesn't know who Domino is. <laughs> oh, she's, he's fucking dead to me, dude. Seriously, oh, I, tell tell him he's out of the will. Oh uh, no, he respects you a lot. He's like, what does Jason think about this rapper? And he he asks me that all the time. Like, ask Jason, <laughs> ask Jason what he thinks about you know Little Outhouse. And I'm like, I I don't know if he likes him or. <laughs> MC Bidet. Yeah, MC Bidet. <laughs> and when I told him that you, closet. when I told him that you think uh, Ja is trash, he was he was actually like crestfallen that you didn't like the work of this <laughs> triple like whatever that guy's name is. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, dude, well, dude, dude, you 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 know who Travis Scott is? I don't. You, you do. Who is he? I'm, well, he's one of the biggest rappers alive. So wh- when you say you know who he is, why would I know? Because you, you you pay enough attention to the cultural zeitgeist to have heard of him. I got nothing. I think you have. But well, what did he do? Know. What did what has he appeared in? Has he been? Is he like crossover? Does he do movies? If he just does no. rap, I probably have never heard of him. Just does rap, yeah. I got nothing. Okay, it's not like. You know, okay, I, I on the one I can say Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Ice T, Ice Cube, like I, I know the 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 pinnacle, if you want to call it that, of the guys that have permeated the you know, pop culture to the point where they reach old white guys like me. Uh-huh. Right? I know those dudes. Like um uh, the cre- Tyler, the creator. I know him. I know uh, Chance. Well, like okay. the, the guys that well, have managed okay. to well, attract attention. Point, though, like, like Travis Scott is commercially bigger than Tyler or or even Chance, really. So, well, then I'm at a I loss. Mean, I'm a huge Chance rapper fan, so I'm not going to. But I'm saying, like, commercially speaking, I think Chance I, is I, really good. I think Tyler's better. I mean, I know you don't watch the Super Bowl, but like, I assumed you're one of those people that like watches the Super Bowl halftime show, right? Yeah. Well, he was on the Super Super Bowl halftime show. Hmm. Don't remember. Two, not this year, the year before. Oh. Yeah. But anyway. The, the Maroon 5. I think it was, the, yeah, it was the Maroon 5. Oh, that yeah. halftime show was trash. It was the worst one in a long time, I will admit. Yeah. It was I, a Big Boy from Outcast and Travis Scott. Little. That guy from Maroon 5 can sing, but what are you doing? Adam with, Levine? Yeah, yeah, what are you doing? You're, you're middle-aged and you're all covered with tattoos and shit. Like, I, don't, I just don't get it. I don't care. Mm, well, first of all, we're we're past middle age and we're covered in tattoos, so nothing. <laughs> Number two, so yeah. I, but but he always goes like he always shows them off. Like whatever. Let me tell you something. I mean, if, when you if look I like had, that. if I had an, he's no Anthony Kiedis. I would be walking around nude. Okay. Yeah. Oh, whatever. So. But you want to speak to me? You're talking. If you're going to show off tattoos, Anthony Kiedis, like he's the dude, right? You know what I mean? Or. I'm just of a different generation, I guess. I don't know. But whatever. The the Fortnite thing really lit a fire under Vinny. Thought it was like the greatest thing ever. Really smart. I mean it it I don't know if it was I don't know how it came to be like if Fortnite approached tra- like Travis Scott or, or vice versa, but it was a really, really smart move on his yeah. part to instantiate himself in that generation pretty much forever. Oh, he was lit. When he came out of the room, he's like, Oh my god, you don't believe what just happened. And he told me, I was like, That sounds really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I assume they're gonna they're gonna 
just do that more and more now. And they, what they should do is they should charge. I think they will probably. They should charge for it. I mean, it, it, he asked me for 10 bucks so he can see, I don't know, Beyonce in Fortnite. I'm going to give him the 10 bucks because mm-hmm. that's, that's just really neat. Yeah. Holden was all giddy because uh, every now and then he loves the Fortnite. He's the only one of my boys that really plays it still. But And he'll uh, he'll ask if he could do the buy the pack, you know, because each month or whatever they get oh. it, you can buy a new pack of skins. It's like different. And, uh, and then I saw the news about Domino. So I hit him up. I'm like, my dude, Domino in uh, Fortnite now? He goes, yeah, yeah. She just came out yesterday. It's cool. Isn't that neat? And I was like, how much is How much is she? He's like, oh, 10 bucks. I'm like, 10 bucks for one skin? Yeah. He's like, I know. It's crazy, right? I'm like, get it. He's yeah. like, what? I'm like, yeah, you can get it. It's all good. I'm like, but he got the, uh, there was like an X-Force pack then. So he yeah. got cable as well. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. So. Uh, at least your son asks. <laughs> uh, I look, I look at my bill and it's like, um, PS plus. Okay. Mm. I play, I pay, pay that. That that's worth having. Then it's Fortnite season ticket or whatever the yeah, hell it is. And then it's Fortnite other thing for 10 bucks, Fortnite something else for 10 bucks. Like he, he just gets it. Um, well, you may remember that, uh, this is number one, the, the one of my three sons that actually has empathy and uh, cares right. number two he's 11 so he hasn't really gotten a set of balls yet number three this is the young buck who really the only thing he's ever done wrong was rack up 900 dollars on a apple itunes game without telling me remember mm-hmm. yeah and i like look beth beth was like man you're buying a lot of stuff on itunes i'm like what you talking about so then i pulled up the bill and i'm like holy shit i'm like what is going on and when he was eight he did this and uh well he didn't do apples to Apple's credit, uh, they decredited me back everything. Um, $900. Well, he's in good company. When I was yeah. when I was so. 15, I racked up $300 in long-distance calls, calling Dr. Demento, leaving messages. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, dude. My mother was livid. I was going to say, did your parents whoop your ass? You I had to pay back. it back. I paid her back. Of course. Yeah. Yep. I remember calling up... Uh, Calling those lines was so lit. I would always ask, but like calling up the wrestling line to hear Mean Gene Okerlund's gossip. <laughs> Holy shit, I love that. And then uh, I would always call it the Nintendo cheat line. Yeah, yeah. You call up Nintendo and be like, and it was so funny. Like kids, they don't realize, you, they'd be like, all right, where are you? And I'm like, well, I'm in, uh, I'm in the the, the green dungeon, and uh, I can't figure out how to get that rock over. And then you, they would have like a binder, and they'd be like, all right, hold up, and they would look in their binder. And they're like, all right, are you in this room? And you're like, yeah. And they're like, all right, you have to press up, then write, and then hit the X button. I'm like, all right, lit. You know, and like you do that, and then it was like a dollar to call. And you, it was the yeah, best thing ever. Yeah, but they would stall. So oh, where, did, where did you say you were? Oh, let me, let me get that down. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Well, I will say in Nintendo's defense, because this is when I, everyone subscribed to Nintendo Power Magazine as well, uh, the Nintendo was a flat fee, which was cool. It was like a dollar a phone call because it was like you get a tip. But they would only give you the one tip. So you couldn't be like, how do I defeat? They, like you could ask them one thing. Basically, it was like a, a magic, magic, like a genie. And then if you wanted to ask them a second question, they'd be like, oh, you got to call back. Yeah. So. Fun fact: we have an entire run of Nintendo Power. Do you really? Yeah, I started it 
back in the day. And that's awesome. And then, but I just kept re-upping it. And then when the kids got of age, they wanted it. So I just I kept. I loved that magazine. Yeah. Man. I got, yes. that was getting, that was as fun as getting comics when it would come. Oh yeah. True that. Yep. Yep. All right, people. I think we have maybe kind of sort of overstayed our welcome, but we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, please come back next episode. We'll be here waiting for you. If you would like more of the 11 o'clock experience, go to Facebook, Reddit, Twitter, and Instagram. We are powerhouses over there. If you want to even get deeper into 11 o'clock, try our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. We love you so much. You know the drill. Say goodnight. No noise. Nope. <laughs> Not doing it. <clears throat> David. Good night. Here's, the part. Said, Here's right. the part where he checks his chronograph. Oh, well, you know. Son, David. Got it. Yep. But now that we said good night, we yes. can uh, say our thank yous. Oh, yes. You're right. Thank you for bringing that up. Um, I, I, I alternately want to hug and pinch Chris Revikant because but not a good pinch. Well, love pinch. Well, he may like it. Yeah, because he has um, done something akin to giving um, control substances to an addict, and he sent me a package of Transformers uh, TCG cards. Nice. And it it wasn't just like a couple a couple cards. He sent me a bunch of freaking cards. That mm-hmm. I can probably build a deck out of. Of course you can. Yeah. So, um, and a little tiny Megatron. <laughs> That's what she yeah. said. Um, awesome. So, thank you, Chris. Look at that tiny Megatron. You don't know what you... I mean, you knew what you were doing, but it, you, you had an ulterior motive getting me into the game. So, yay. Uh, you mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. They are beautiful cards. Really beautiful. Yeah, no, no I think the foil on these are much better than the foil magic cards. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I have a couple. Uh, one of which, of course, is to the aforementioned Chris Revacant because he sent you guys some Transformers cards. Um, yep. He figured it wasn't my thing. Instead, he hopes that I'll enjoy these. He picked up... Um, some comics at an estate sale and um, remember me talking about one of the books that he sent me um, and, and he threw in a bonus. Uh, he sent me Adventure Comics number 422 which is dated um, August 1972 so it was almost my birthday. Uh, Supergirl number 2 from January of the following year. No credits in the Supergirl issue for some reason. The Adventure Comics story is um, by Steve Skeets and Mike Sikowski and Bob Oskarner. And he sent me two issues of the post-hard-traveling heroes, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, number 93 and 94, both illustrated by Mike Rell, um, inked by Terry Austin, written by Denny O'Neill. And I thank you so very much because... um, I remember the Green Lantern, Green Arrow issues. I've never read this adventure comics or this issue of Supergirl, but um, I'm going to have fun going down Ermie Lane, especially with the house ads. Um, I have to thank um, Mr. Peter Drummond, who uh, I mentioned 
Secret of Mana, um, a week or two ago, and uh, Mr. Drummond hit me up on the Slack, asked me if I had a PS4, because Square Enix has ported this game to the PS4, and I hope that after I finish putting together the rest of the miniatures and we try out Blackstone Fortress this weekend, I will have time to pop this in the PS4 and um, and play some Secret of Mana again. And I have to... This isn't really a thank you. It's more of a shout-out. Um, you know our boy Ono um, and Amoeba. Yeah. Uh, I... Um, I did some shopping at Amoeba um, to help out the shop, and uh, they also have a GoFundMe that Chris Rock actually tweeted out. Oh, um, nice. Yeah, so it's it's getting a little bit of traction. It's still going on, the GoFundMe, but um, I did some shopping at Amoeba, and it arrived today, and I thought that it was just going to be just the Blu-ray, because that's what it looked like on the website when I bought it. And I opened up the box, and it does include the DVD and the digital copy, but on the box cover, it says the digital code needs to be claimed by May 31st, 2019. I was like, well, that sucks. But I figured, what the hell? And I popped the code into Movies Anywhere, and it fucking redeemed. So now I can go downstairs when we're done here tonight, and I can let Blade Runner 2049 play as I drift off to sleep. I have awesome. never ever used a digital code. No. Mm-mm. Well, what I have. What's I, it I, for? What? It's, it's so you, you can get stream a digital it. file. You yeah. Just, you can so have you it on just, your iPad or. But right, you, you, or, bought or you bought the disc. What? You bought the you disc. Can't put the disc in on your iPad. Yes, I have the disc. So when I want to watch it in like that actual, honest to god, awesome Blu-ray quality, I'll pop it in my Blu-ray player. But. If I'm just scrolling through the streaming services and I open up the Movies Anywhere uh, app or I'm on my phone or I'm on my iPad, I can just stream it. And it it alleviates the use of having handbrake and looking for your DVD drive so you can then export the MP4 so you can encode it and play it on your computer. Now I have the digital code. I can just watch it on any device with that app. So yeah, I have the physical media. That's great. If I'm somewhere where I can't use the physical media next time we're, we're, we're going to Charlotte in, in 2023. If I want to watch it, I can just fire it up on, on, on the iPad and, and watch it that way without having to worry about without dragging my goddamn USB C DVD player with me. But, um, yeah, so that's what the, I, I, I've redeemed, I've redeemed pretty much most of the codes, um, the Pixar movies, the Marvel movies, the uh, Joker, um, because there are times where I don't, if instead of if 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 we're enjoying ourselves on the weekend, I don't want to have to dig through the the library and un, underneath the TV. I can just go to the streaming app and and if my wife's like, yeah, okay, let's watch that, and then easy peasy. I don't have to get up and stay being lazy. But that's what the digital codes are for. But yeah, so so I was just, I, I was really surprised. I don't know if they were just like, fuck it, we're never going to check. We're just going to put a date on it and good luck. Or they were just like, motherfuckers are like, hold up in their homes, man. They just, let's, let, let, let's kill the expiration dates on these codes. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. I don't have many rules, but digital codes don't don't translate with me. I don't. I don't. I got. I, I got to watch them. Digital if I, codes, but yeah, I got to watch them on the big screen with my my disc. I can't watch them on my computer. Can't. Or oh, you, even okay. worse if it's a smaller like format, like oh, an okay. iPad or not. Nah. I'm still. I mean, it's a I'll preference thing. No, no, but yeah, it's not. It's not limited to your mobile device. I I'm going to watch if I don't want to make a lot of noise and pop in the disc i'll still be downstairs on the 65 inch tv watching it streaming it's not i get it i get it but if -hmm. if i got the disc i'm gonna watch it on the disc sure that's the quality is there plus the disc has all bonus features bonus features yes it's the streaming the, the the digital copy does not it's just the movie right so i'm going to put the disc in because i want to see the bonus features and resolution wise your digital cop you're downloading the digital copy and it's all great and stuff but it does not compare with the digital the the resolution I mean, of the blu-ray better. i mean yeah I've, yeah I'm but still the spider verse i'm going it's it's going to be the blu-ray i mean the the digital version is is the ultra hd it still looks good it looks good on a 4k screen but it's not no. your blu-ray no all right everybody we are so out of here come back next time we'll be here waiting for you please um, and uh, go uh, take care of yourself. Be safe and uh, uh, hope your your significant others and family are safe too. That's right. Yeah. Because yep. we love yep. you so freaking much. So goddamn much. Yep. Tell them bye. Bye. Latest. <laughs>